two little mice fell in a bucket of cream. The first mouse quickly gave up and drowned. The second mouse wouldn't quit. He struggled so hard that eventually he turned that cream into butter and crawled out. Gentlemen, as of this moment, I am that second mouse. It's amazing. He's talking about motorcycle insurance. Now let's start the show. Step back on the cold. Problems. Mm. Tell us to fuck off. Ladies and gentlemen, the CO double MON synonym for fresh truth is the emblem. Fine, got So it, it comes don't, with don't. like stock mouths that you can like. Is that like a statue or is that like a mat or is that like just like it's showing you how it would fit over? I can only assume the worst. So whatever no, it's got, that it's is, got, yeah, it's got it's got like a mouthpiece to it. Yeah. Oh, that's fucking horrible. How do you breathe? In that? How am I supposed to eat my sausage egg and cheese with that thing on? <laughs> How am I supposed to eat my fucking boar's head oven gold turkey? Exactly. How am I supposed to see how many Reese's peanut butter cups I can fit in my mouth in one sitting with this thing on? How many do you think you can fit? At least sixteen. In one at sitting, once? at once. In my mouth, at once. Yeah. Sixteen. Mm-hmm. Why were you so definitive of that? Like right away, like you had that answer waiting. Like you've tried this. I mean, it's a question built for radio, not for television. So you got to kind of know. If you got to ask, Otto, you can't afford it. Yeah, you either know or you I, don't. I think I could beat that though. I think I could get twenty easily, but I yeah, would have to I, use. I mean, I've seen you methods. put more in your mouth. You guys are fucking amateurs, okay? <laughs> Don't even start. <laughs> Welcome to the Second Mouse Podcast, where we talk about how many things we could fit in our mouth at once. Oh, I just got a good one, guys. What, for something to stick in our mouths? Yeah. God, you look like you've just been on a Coke binge for the last oh, 20 yeah. hours. <laughs> Dude, you look like the father who's waiting for their child to come home at like 4 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> He's sitting there sipping a cup of tea. I'm watching. I'm watching my coke addicted son Gatto just grind his fucking teeth at the family dinner. I'm like, <laughs> Dad, you really cut the turkey good. You you cut it really, really good. How did you do that? What did you do? Oh, what, what's in these mashed potatoes? They're so delicious. His teeth are just fucking. I just, I'm just pulling out my teeth. <laughs> and ultimately, you're the dad who's like, I know you're fucked up. Just leave. I don't know why you feel like compelled to stand around and like act like you're not fucked up. Just go upstairs. Just go. Get out of we, here. We all know what's happening here. Just leave. <laughs> well, oh. Welcome back, everybody, to the Second Mouse Podcast Halloween edition. Yeah, and it we, is we very much trick or treat in the Bronx right now. God, it's God. trick for the Yankees, fucking... treat for the Giants, Are though. You... Yeah, yeah, good, good pivot, Tom. Because <laughs> I'm in no fucking mood today. I promise you. I think well, this is an awesome like postseason for baseball. I got to be completely honest, because because everyone's like Dodgers are going to take it all. <laughs> Guess where they're at? Playing. I don't golf. know. I don't know. I... You keep talking about this thing called baseball. I've never heard about it, so I'm just gonna pretend. No, you call it perpetual disappointment at this point. Don't even know what you're talking about. I am cool as a cucumber. You know, nine innings, weird socks, nope. uh, three outs. We never counts. heard of it. 
Never, never Q in my life. is cool as Russell Wilson at a subway <laughs> right now. I'm having That's my danger witch. Cool. It's a little spicy, but uh, I'm 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 cool, guys. What do you oh. think he's doing right now while he's injured? He's praising the God, bro. Like he's given he's given his fucking almighty a fucking high five. How much do you want to bet that Russell Wilson is actually really good friends with Chris Humphreys? Is Chris Humphreys super religious? I don't know. They're both nerds, though. I mean, he got Kim Kardashian, so he did something right. For four and a half months. And then he got cucked by Kanye. Even better, because then he doesn't have to deal with the nightmare family the rest of his life. He just he got in, he got out, and he's he's cool one now. But do you think he has the money from it though? Do you think they paid no. him? Do you think they uh, paid for his silence? Maybe. Yeah, because I'd be talking nonsense. About her bad diarrhea. Oh my <laughs> that, that was not real, but I wish it was. <laughs> um yeah, it's so not I, official until it's been officially denied. Now I have a question: Is was because Kanye's always been a bit of a, you know, crazy person. Yeah, because there's the thing is the the Kardashian curse, right? There's you know Lamar Lamar Odom who was on crack. Um, <laughs> who like, was on crack? That's a fantastic Stephen A. Smith citation in there that we need to throw in later. His first move was to sign Lamar Odom. Who is on crack? crack? (laughs) Is is Kanye a victim of the Kardashian curse? Or is he merely just, that's just Kanye? Does he transcend the Kardashian curse? Because anybody who's not paying attention. Right now, I'm going to say that the the Kardashians are the collateral damage in all of this. Yeah, I I rarely feel bad for that family, and I might actually feel an ounce of pity for them right now. Yeah, I mean, deal with them. I mean, we can make fun of the show all we want, but I think Kim does deserve a little bit of credit for not just like going to the Trump White House and saying like release these people from jail, like she's actually done a lot of work with amnesty programs to try to change criminal justice. And Kanye is just a fucking lunatic. <clears throat> yeah. That's how, about, that's how I feel about That's how I feel. We're going to edit that in. We're going to edit it in. We're actually, that's, we're that's what I have to say about that. Soundbite and we're going to throw that in everywhere. We need it. That's what I have to say about that. Um, I don't know, cause yeah, he. I think he, I think she probably pushed him over the. I, the, I think the Pete Davidson thing fucking pushed him over the edge. He started acting out from. But it's the weird. Thing. You can almost telegraph where Kanye's gonna go, like where his crazy rants are gonna go, based upon, um, based upon like what's going on in his life. I'm wondering if like Kim's, like divorce lawyer is Jewish, or I don't. Is Pete Davidson Jewish? Because like, where did all this anti-Semitic stuff just come out of nowhere? Um, wasn't there, isn't something about maybe the, maybe the, Adidas? maybe that's it. Yeah. Adidas maybe the Adidas ex- executives are like, some of them are Jewish. Cause like, I feel like he went from like zero to Hitler, like in fucking five seconds. We live in such a weird time. Hold up. I was pretty. Yeah. Um, Adidas is German. No, um, I'm just saying that some of the board, maybe the board executives are 
maybe some of them are Jewish and like, yeah, like, yeah, fucking all of them. So I think this probably has a lot more to do with the fact that I'm going to kind of go out on a limb here, but I feel like Kanye has been treading closely to like this dystopian future bit for a while now, given like the ye clothing that he has looks like it comes straight from like the the sewer people from fucking demolition man um it, it does look like <laughs> something that was created by mole people that yeah lived in the sewers for 30 years this is what all of the extras in judge dread are gonna wear in this scene. <laughs> yes and reboot to the reboot but i mean i'm this still is... waiting on a fucking sequel by the way oh yeah i i wrote a letter to their director um <laughs> But I feel dread, like oh, dread fucking ruled. <laughs> Off topic, but I need a JD two ASAP. No, no. But fucking I feel sly. like dread. Yeah. <laughs> but I feel like a lot of this is just. This is like a very common thread that celebrities who are a bit eccentric kind of go down this path where. They try to figure out the the ways of the world and how they're being like manipulated in their eyes. And it always falls back to the Jews, man. And unfortunately, like we're having to do this again. It's why we have to explain anti-Semitism is bad. How like just wait, asking questions, wait. quote unquote. <laughs> Leads Whoa. down a really fucking Wait. sketchy pathway where we started to get into fucking <laughs> Nazism and Oof. other areas where I don't know people might be a little sensitive about it. It's it's so weird though. Did you like? I mean, like, never in my life did I think that like. I mean, you go back a couple years ago. Kanye was always weird and kind of eccentric and you know narcissistic, but like. Never did I think he'd be leading like the anti fucking anti because like he he they caught someone caught him on a soundbite saying like he identifies with the straight white male because he wants to be in like a power position, which is like basically saying president. So he's like he's playing to that audience. And I'm like, I'm wondering out loud, is this is this merely him acting and trying to get into that crowd or is he just completely off the reservation I at this point? I honestly think this is just him trolling. He has he has a real problem with Adidas right now because he probably wanted to make his newest line of Yeezys just bags that went over your feet. Fucking and they were like, no, like the we're house not. showing booties, the house showing booties. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but like, charge four hundred dollars for them. <laughs> and exactly. And he he wanted to do something stupid and gimmicky like that. And they, when they, they pushed back on him, he said, well, fuck you, because, you know, my brand or, or my, you know, si side brand of your brand is bringing in billions of dollars. And you're not going to because, like, he's been saying, like, oh, I could say whatever I want and you can't stop me. I want like you're not going to you're not going to get rid of me because I'm worth billions of dollars and people are pleading to Adidas to get rid of him and and remove his brand from their catalog or whatever and it's just not fucking gonna happen i'm hearing some echo oh cute can't hear you now yeah now we can okay. hear you yeah i can't wait for the uh breitbart uh 
endorsed Yeezys that are going to come out. It's just going to have racist fucking episodes all over it. it it's just going to say, it's going to be a Sacconi, but it's going to have fucking. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be a pair of New Balances yeah. with like just, just fucking racial slurs all over them. So there's another part of this story that I find really interesting is that Adidas has not come out and said anything to condemn what Kanye has said. They have not pushed back on anything. Um, and for those who are not super familiar with Adidas as a brand, while they were, while they, Adidas was not a company during World War II, the founders of the company were actually members of the National Socialist German Workers Party. Um, better known as the Nazi Party. The Nazi Party. CAA has dropped him, apparently, his, uh, his agency. Yeah. So all that to be said, like, even if this was like a bit to piss off Adidas, like doing that is not the way that you're going to go about, like making them upset to do anything. I lean more towards that. He's just off the reservation. He's probably batshit crazy. Yeah. And he's surrounded by too many people that obviously profit off of him. And are just like, yeah, man, keep going. And they're like, mm-hmm. probably behind him, they're like, fuck, like, you can't stop him at this point anyway. So might as well just keep digging in. Yeah. They're standing far enough away where they're not going to get any of the kind of blowback. But no, at the same at time, they're close enough to like egg him on to do all this crazy shit. Yeah. I mean, he's just like pure ego at this point with a total lack of self-awareness. So it doesn't really matter. <laughs> I mean, he's never been the most self-aware individual. Um, no, 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 no. But like now it's just like, man, he's he is so far gone. But also this is going back to like Kim, like in the, in the Kardashians, like they didn't like push him to get back on meds and shit. So like no one does no them one seemingly... no, no good. It does them no good. I guess and, not. And, and, and like, I mean, come on, Kim's M.O. is not to actually keep a guy around. It's just to pivot to the next dude to the next dude and to the next dude so like him falling apart is good for her brand in some ways i assume yeah i'm i i feel like though there is a conversation around mental health where i think there needs to be some kind of middle ground where there is a population of people that believe any kind of medication is bad and you shouldn't take that. And they actively push against people who are like, Hey, we have these drugs that could help you stabilize yourself and, you know, get you in a place where you're not manic all the time. And there is this movement now where it's like, no, you don't need any of this. You just need like, herbal tea and essential oils and you'll like write yourself. And then what ends up happening is these folks go off the fucking deep end. And I'm sure that's probably the most insensitive way to say it. But I feel like right now what Kanye's doing is going off the deep end. So I think it applies. And we just, I think it's okay in some cases like to say, Hey, maybe you should get on this regiment that will, Give it a try. Kind of back to reality. Yeah. Just, just give it a try. What what's the worst have, that happens? You take you get off it. You know what I mean? Just I have just a try hot it take out. Listen to your Kanye. doctor. I have a hot take about Kanye. 
I know a lot of people are excusing his behavior because of the fact that he's like he's clearly bipolar. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he's just an asshole. Like, I, I don't think that's a hot take at all. I think no, but like some people have been. There's been a large contingency of people that are like, don't make fun of him. He's in. He's obviously in the midst of like a manic episode, and is clearly like. I don't think the. I don't think they're like. I honestly don't think this really has much to do with his bipolar disorder. I, I don't know how much a manic like episode goes on for, or what the duration. Been going on for are, years. Yeah, it, it it seems like, especially with him, it's not like it's it just build like sometimes it it's like a random thing, but like mm-hmm. this has been steadily building and not in a way that seems like it's like coming to an edge or peaking or ramping up like that. I don't, again, we're not experts about this, so I I can't fully speculate. Um, I, I just, I think a part of that also though, is that, yeah, there's a lot of people out there that are just trying to be sympathetic for anyone who might be mentally struggling and they're going to try to give them benefit of the doubt because they would hope that we'd give them, we'd give other people or them the benefit of the doubt in that situation. I'm totally willing to, I mean, the the problem is we just sit here and really the debate is, is Kanye being an asshole or is he going through some shit? And that's the real question we're trying to unravel in our brains. And I think the other problem is it's not really a problem, but by not addressing this, you are now enabling a whole other crop of people who actually believe that being anti-Semitic is okay. I don't know if you guys saw that um, overpass in L.A. that had all those anti-Semitic remarks to it. So while we should treat all mental illness with compassion and empathy, at the same time, we do need to recognize that Kanye has a platform And by allowing him to just kind of go off and do his own thing, allowing him to have his platform enables a population of people that actually believe this and are willing to do something about it. And it can be dangerous. It could be violent. I mean, we saw the the synagogue in Pennsylvania. There was a shooting there five or six years ago now, and it was very much the same rhetoric and ideology that was at play there so if by the way if you want to know more about that incident uh there is a new documentary coming out on hbo max you could check that out um and that will give you a little bit more good plug there gotta yeah (laughs) hey you know you you threw it up there i just slammed it down um the the one thing i will say about this that is kind of interesting is that in society where we all know it is not cool to yell fire in a cl- in a crowded theater, right? We know we know we're not supposed to do things to create panic, um, and you can weaponize your your freedom of speech to do so. We tend to give people that are well established with platforms way more leeway than we would give the average person. It's kind of they're famous, and it's yeah. kind of bullshit. Because it should be the other way. Let's let's all agree on that. Because they're insulated by money and power, mm-hmm. so it's it's really a power dynamic, right? Because like you, myself, you know, Tom, if we all start screaming racial slurs or talking about you know the Jews controlling everything, we'd get fired from our job, and we're not important enough 
globally to be able to survive that type of thing to where Kanye West has the ability to just do whatever he wants and he's insulated by either his rich conservative friends like Elon and everybody else, Candace Owens. Um, he'll always have a platform of sorts. And there are some people who are always taking the stance of like separate the art from the artist, right? Which I think is bullshit. Like at the end of the day, you you have to own that shit. And if you want to own it and you say like, I don't care, I like his music. Honestly, I have no problem with that. But like, don't try and say that like you can enjoy his product. Like, you know, I I don't know if you guys have ever seen the movie Jeeper Creepers. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of my like favorite horror movies when I was a kid. I have trouble ever watching it again because I found out about the director, and I was like, we we had this discussion about uh, David O. Russell a while back uh, with Amsterdam coming out. So, you know, the, I I I personally can't like endorse any Kanye products ever again after this. This is just too much. Yeah. And I think it's interesting. The, the whole argument about like separating the art from the artist is in some cases, I think it abdicates the responsibility of the individual to have to understand like the entire context of the person. And it's always felt kind of icky when people are like, yeah, well, I don't like him, but I like his music or I like the writing or I like the, the film. And it's like, yeah, but that's so fucking creepy though. Like, are you able to do that for everything? Like, are you able to do that for people who have killed people? Like, are we doing that for that? I'm I'm a huge fan of the pros and Alex shrugged. I have to be honest, but just the pros. Everything else. Fucking a. Are we are we gonna just talk about other things that suck and then move into Green Bay then? <clears throat> Tom is itching. I can see it in his eyes. Tom, what what's 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 in your soul? Tell us. What do you want to talk go ahead, about? Here? Go ahead, Tom. Talk Spill about what it. you want to talk Get about. Get it out there. Besides the fact that by the way, I don't know if if we've made everyone aware out there that is listening, uh, Tom is fully decked out in a uh, Reese's peanut butter cup wrapper. Um, he he came fully equipped today for. It's our Halloween. Halloween episode, so I figured, shit, I might as well throw this on. I mean, I thought we were all going to be doing uh, different characters from uh, movies by what's his face. Jared Leto. But... Yeah, on his birthday. Oh, uh, okay. I got it confused. Sorry. Jesus so I, I went out and got all that for nothing. Fuck. I mean, just go to the store and wear it. So I'm glad <laughs> that I... I'm, I'm sex cult leader Jared Leto. Because it's easy. Because all you have to do is just wear those white clothes that he was wearing. Because he's already got sex cult clothing. <laughs> <laughs> what am I going to wear today? <laughs> Oh, the same white outfit. Oh, I mean, nice and I, easy. I look like I'm doing laundry, like my Colt's doing laundry today. Like that's yeah. what I'm wearing right now. So, still in the dryer. The yeah. meteor is passing overhead. <laughs> All so, right. Uh, so I as... wanted to get into something that might bother one of my co-hosts. Um, I'm sure it's kept him up at night, and it's. It's probably going to be a heated argument, so you might might need to edit some of these things. Nope. 
I refuse. Q, what's <laughs> up? Should Tyler Heineke start the rest of the season for the Washington Commanders? Psych. Honestly, um, I'd rather talk about that. Yeah, because you don't want me to Got unleash. You don't want me to unleash fury. Um, no, there's, I and I, I get why um, Ron Riverboat Ron is going to do that because he's trying to win games, and and Heineke probably gives you the best shot to win games. But you guys are in a very similar situation to the Giants were back in uh, 2019 when they drafted Jones. Now Howell doesn't. Sam Howell does not have the draft uh, credentials that you know Daniel Jones did coming out sixth overall. But, like, he clearly impressed in camp. He clearly impressed in the preseason. So, at this point, I would rather play Howell, see how he does. If he ends up saving your season, you look like a fucking genius. If he doesn't, then you end up in C.J. Stroud, Bryce Young territory and put yourself in a position to maybe get a top-tier quarterback, at worst, Will Levis. Um, so, no, it's, it doesn't make a sense. But that that makes me think that Ron does not have – the full support of maybe everybody in the ownership group. So he, he thinks to himself, I got to pull wins out, but it's counterproductive because you're not going to win a lot of games with Taylor Heineke, the Packers. I don't know what's going on there, but like they, they're coming off three straight. They did not losses. look good, dude. They did not look good. I was in DC for the weekend and being in DC, you're able to watch some of these games. I don't know what they were playing on Fox where you guys live giants uh, there. So they were playing the giants at that time. Yeah. But Packers just looked flat man. and every time they would pan to Matt LaFleur, he was having a fucking spaz about something that happened. Yeah. And they were obvious penalties too, like passing interference where it's clearly a penalty. He's losing his shit holding where it's clearly a holding penalty losing his shit but rogers just looked flat dude like he was missing guys he was throwing bad passes but i wasn't even talking about the sam howell argument because i ultimately think he should be starting but knowing riverboat ron he is going to take probably the best option and choose the worst option <laughs> so he's gonna start heineke i don't i'm i'm a fan of his Honestly, probably what could have happened was they not trade Carson for Carson Wentz, which is a huge fucking mistake. I don't know why yeah. we needed two other teams to could show have, that. Could have stayed with Heineke after last year. Could have and... stayed with Heineke after yeah. last year. It would have yeah. been a really nice bridge quarterback to another guy. He played well, by the way. He did. And he he hustled in the guys like playing for him. Terry McLaurin had a fucking touchdown, which is like like manna from heaven for me. But is, it's weird, though. Is this not weird, though, that it seems like a lot of these top tier receivers don't get a lot of attention until the backup quarterback comes in? I think it's because the backup quarterbacks know that these top tier receivers are the ones they should be throwing to. Yeah. And I, I think a lot of these like second rate QBs think like I need to show how versatile of a quarterback I am and spread the ball around like there were times where I'd watch a commander's game and Wentz would not even look in the direction of McLaurin. Like this is your number one receiver. Why aren't likes, you at least he like, giving you like Curtis Samuel, uh, give him a fucking peak at least yeah. man. Yeah. So I think Heineke should, even when Wentz comes back, I think they should find a way to break his ankle. Um, 
Well, because it was like even with like the Cowboys, like you know when Dak got hurt, like because like the first few games, like Ceedee Lamb was a ghost, and then mm-hmm. Cooper Rush comes in, and all of a sudden Ceedee Lamb's got like a forty percent target share. It's just and he's a ghost beasting. again. By the way. And they're fucking playmakers too. Like there's a reason why you're the number one wide receiver on a team. It's because you can make a play. DJ and that's Moore a- takes until fucking PJ Walker comes into the game, right? Fucking what finally the fuck, do something, dude. Or how about last night during the Steelers game where he, Kenny Pickett did not have a great game, but at least he was throwing the ball to like George Pickens and Chase mm-hmm. Claypool. And he's like, I'm going to give it to you. You go out and do something because, you yeah. know, you're a fucking athlete and you're able to. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. But I, I want to say but, the guys that have been doing it for a while that are starting week in, week out, they start to look at players more like chess pieces and it becomes their game. And they're playing their game, and those are chess pieces that they're using in certain ways. And when it's your top receiver, and you know you have throwing ability, you think, I can make a top receiver out of somebody else. Might be a little bit of an ego thing. And so they they start to try to pass it to that guy that's going to be more open, who's going to have less, uh, you know, get jammed up less at the line of scrimmage, who's going to have less coverage over top, you know, and and they think they're going to become more effective for that, but like you guys said, you end up throwing it to the guy that's kind of a scrub, and he's probably going to drop yeah. it more times than not. You end up throwing it to guys who are like the third and fourth wide receivers on the team or the backup tight end. Like, There's a reason why Andre Johnson would catch 100 balls every year or Roddy White would catch 100 balls or Julio Jones. Like Those guys knew their fucking role, and the role was, I'm going to be the guy the quarterback looks at first, and if I'm not open or on the field, he's going to go find somebody else. But if there is a sliver of a chance that I'm going to be available to catch this pass, it's going to get thrown my way. Yeah. Well, I mean, speaking of skill position players, I mean, we're talking about the, the Packers, and it's like this is kind of – I think oh. this is chickens coming home to roost, honestly, because we've talked about it ad nauseum that, like, the Packers don't draft skill position players high. They've gotten lucky that guys like Jordan Nelson and Randall Cobb, who guys were a little bit later in the draft, um, have worked out. But like Javon Walker, 2002 was the last time they drafted a, not technically a skill position player, because that would have been Jordan Love and Aaron Rodgers. Uh, but in the first round, Javon Walker was the last receiver they drafted in the first round. 2002. And they didn't pay him and he left. Right. And so shows, 2000 fucking two. And then you get lucky you have Devontae Adams, who is like, top three was he a second round pick or a third round pick? he was an early second round pick yeah um out of uh fresno so you get gifted that guy and i I know i know that he took more he took less money to go to uh vegas he acknowledged that and i think the packers acknowledged it too that he just wanted to change the scenery but like maybe they want maybe wanted to change the scenery because you wouldn't fucking pay him probably when he wanted to so it's like they have a real problem, and like they didn't go after even like Juju Smith Schuster. They didn't go after him. They're rolling with fucking Lazard and Romeo Dobbs, who was a late round pick, Christian Watson, who was like a second round pick, but everyone knew was going to be a project. Like wasn't going to be a guy who came in immediately. He got you drafted know? for potential, not because of like current right. talent. Like even like guys like George Pickens, like last night was balling. Yeah. So like you know. They they just they're good at drafting everywhere 
except they just have this mental block at wide receiver. And it's not just the current GM. It goes back to Ted Thompson too. So the, something organizationally. But the thing that like is interesting because we've had a, a couple of receivers and skill players get traded over the last couple of weeks. Right. Were they even in the conversation for Robbie Anderson? Nope. Were they even in the conversation for Christian McCaffrey? Nope. Or – even just like kicking the tires on a DJ Moore or well, they don't need any yeah, when, fucking they don't when, need any more running backs at this or, point. Or what about like when Christian Kirk signed that big ass fucking deal? Like yep. I know that he's not excellent. He's not a great receiver, but he at least can catch he's, the ball. He's at least a tier two and, and a top. Yeah. Tier two. And and yesterday he put on a bit of a show. So, you know. They they could definitely use that type of personnel. I wonder if that is just a poisoned place right now, and it's got a lot of negative attitudes, a lot of negative energy. And the problem is that for the first time in a long time, Green Bay believes that they are shit, and they have not believed that in a long time. And I think that that is a huge thing, because if you look at the Giants, who believed that they could do better than be shit, like they've been for the last couple of years, they're doing fucking tremendous, right? And they have no obstinable reason for doing that. What up, Huey? Huey. Um, he's like, I remember you, fucks. But he's gonna, he's gonna watch your ass now. So they they drafted Christian Watson over. Speaking of the Giants, Wanda Robinson, who's been balling the last few weeks, um, over Tyquan Thornton, who's been killing it for the Patriots. George Pickens dominated last night. Out Pierce. Um, Sky Moore, who's had a bit of a rough going so far. So, like, they've, they didn't, like, I mean, Christian Watson might have long term potential because he, you know, he's like a six foot three, 200 pound speedster, but like, not a guy who you thought was going to walk in and they know, be need, dominant. They need to at least start really pushing to get that potential out of him now. You know what I mean? Like, that's the, when you, when, when you come out of like three weeks of, of bad losses, where your team was a was essentially ineffective at all stages of of the game, like you have to start trying different things, doing different things, whatever that is, to just get some get some positive like emotion going on that team. Because I don't think that there's there's enough energy to carry that defense. There's they're they're not getting off the field. The offense is just cold. I mean, I will say too, Gatto, to add to your point. Um, there was only one guy on the offensive line that had started the previous game, I think, and that was the center. So oh. the offensive line had been completely moved around. Or Bakhtiari was, has been hurt a lot. Bakhtiari has been hurt. They have a Pro Bowl guard who is, I think, was having to play t- one of the tackle positions as well. But all the same, though, I think, and I'm gonna. This is start where we start to get into conspiracy theory land. And I want you to rate this conspiracy theory on a scale of one to ten. I believe it. Have the Packers intentionally not signed a elite wide receiver or skill position player or drafted one because they don't want Aaron Rodgers there anymore? So they're trying to use this as a way to like leverage him out of there. I no, would, I don't believe that. I would say that what they are, what might be happening, is that you have Aaron Rodgers who you've signed for big money, and now you're saying, "Well, why do I have to go out and 
sign somebody to be a good receiver? Why, why can't you just, if you're that good of a quarterback, can't you just take anybody and, you know, be a kingmaker? <clears throat> I'm, I'm going to tell you why that's, that's not it, Tom, because in all honesty, they had an out this past off season. They could have traded them to the Broncos. The Broncos fucking hired Nathaniel Hackett for the sole purpose of attracting Aaron Rodgers. That was it. That was the only reason they hired him was obviously, yeah, he's got a good resume. But like the reason why they went with him over everybody else was because they thought to themselves, we're getting fucking Aaron Rodgers. That didn't happen. Now, if they were to cut him this year, they'd lose $68 million in dead cap. Next year, $27 million in dead cap. The only out comes in 2025, and it would still take a $14 million bath. Not to mention the $30 million kicker for the following year. So they are financially tied to him. So when they, they had either... an out, they had an out. They could have traded him to the Broncos and said, Jordan Love, you're in. We're done. Thanks a lot. Thanks for the fucking multiple first round picks, which they probably should have done at this point. Um, and they could have moved on with their lives, and they did not. So I, I think the Packers made their fucking bed, and I'm glad they have the line. The the you know this feels very reminiscent of like when Favre was trying to leave and that weird kind of relationship that they had at the it's, time too it's confrontational i think i think he's hoping that odell is going to recover soon and if i'm odell beckham i'm not going to fucking green bay get out of no, here no probably not now but um you know odell's options are getting a little bit a little bit more limited as it comes because the Rams look like shit and the Packers look like shit. And those were his top two options. So, and honestly, at this point, the bills don't really need him. That'd be a weird pickup for them too. I think it would fuck up the dynamic between uh, Josh Allen and Stefan Diggs. Well, I mean, he would clearly be the number two behind Diggs, but like Gabe Davis has been balling. I, I was going to say, would he, would he join that team and be the number two? I don't know if he would even yeah. be the number two. No, he, I, no, Odell's smart enough to know that it's Diggs. That's Diggs' he's, team. The, the thing is, he's, he's, he's matured a lot. And I think yeah. he would recognize that it's part of being a team more than like, you know, the personal contribution over anything. So yes. Yeah. He, he's smart enough to know that, um, that he, that's, and I think he's friends with Stefan Diggs. So like, you know, it's not going to be like a confrontational event, but his, the teams that he can go to are, are not looking as good as they were because like, you know, I think everyone kind of felt like the Rams and the bills and, and the Packers were like the top tier options for him. And it's like, those teams are just garbage, but it does it does maybe boost their price. So maybe the Packers are willing to spend a little bit more for Odell um to come in and save him. So if he's if he's truly like a like a guy who like a gun for hire at this point, then that's the best way to maximize your money. I'm gonna say this. I don't think Odell going to Green Bay solves their problems. If anything, no. it, just, it just ensures a double team of a guy yeah. Um, in a safety shading over the top to his side of the field, because you also have all those other receivers who have proven that they can't catch. Yeah. No, it, it doesn't change anything. So I still think he goes to the Chiefs. That would make the most sense. They are in dire need of a of a top tier alpha dog receiver. Um, Sky Moore just hasn't really hit yet. Um, so they need somebody to take the shade off Kelsey a little bit. 
So you all, both as Giants fans, where do you? What is the percentage he goes back to the Giants? Keep in mind the Giants are six and one right now. Ten, ten percent. Really? Um, yeah, yeah. I the Giants don't have any money. They have three million in cap, and their team is decimated again. Yesterday was fucking brutal between Bellinger with the eye, and we're hoping that he broke, he fractured like a bone right in here. Oh, here. he's done so for the year. Then, if it's an orbital bone, he's done. They they said that he's most likely he's out indefinitely, and we don't like he's gonna have to have surgery. They said, yeah. So it's not good. Um, but I don't think there's any. So uh, Adam Schefter he fractured his eye socket. Um, so he's out indefinitely uncertain whether he'll play again this season. Most likely not. If, if anything, he's going to have to come back with a shield. Um, and then Evan Neal fucking sprained MCL. He's out for a month. Um, they're just, they're falling apart again. But, you know, again, they've, they've held well. They just don't have the money. Like I, but- I have no doubt they'd be interested, but like they don't have the money to give to Odell. That's Here's the, the thing, though. The Chiefs were able to move money around. The Giants could do the exact same thing, though, can't no. they? But from who? No. From where? Dave, this is – there is a lot uh, – it's been – it's, it's, it's almost pissing Little me Davey. off. It's almost pissing me off as much as the the Yankees, which I'm, I wasn't going to say their fucking name. We'll but get to them. The <laughs> – we will fucking not the re- <laughs> the revisionist history that's going on now with Dave Gettleman is fucking shocking me. There are some people who are going like, oh, Dave Gettleman wasn't that bad after all, right? This Jones kid's pretty good. Oh, the Andrew Thomas kid. <laughs> Dave Gettleman over leveraged this team to the point where the Giants had to push money back on their fucking punter because <laughs> wow. they didn't have a fucking dollar. They don't the only contract that is movable at this point to where they could like restructure and push the money down the road. There's one person left on the team they can do it for. Anybody want to take a stab at who that person is? Uh, take a wild guess. They haven't done it yet because it's a big contract that they clearly don't want to push into future years. They Kenny Galladay. Kenny fucking Kenny Galladay. G, baby. They <laughs> they've done it with Leonard Williams twice already. Because wow. like he's clearly not going anywhere. Adoree Jackson's only got Dude. one year left on his deal. They are broke because of Dave Gettleman. Now get the good news: next year they'll have about eighty million dollars in cap. Awesome, we're back on track. At right? the end of this season, Which, or at well, twenty twenty. You know what, Q? You know what, Q? It is good. Yeah. Next year, there's going to be some players that are going to say, "I need to get paid." Yeah, Dexter Lawrence <laughs> is going to get paid. Andrew Thomas is going to get paid, which is fine. All the, that's what you use your money for, and Joe Shane's smart enough to to be good at drafting. So Dave Gettleman over leverages team. He drafted pure shit for the think, most part. Do you outside think he did of like Thomas, do you think he did that deliberately as a security, like thinking that would be a security net? Because like, he, oh, I made a mess, but let me fix it first, and then you can get rid of me. So Dave Gettleman <laughs> clearly over leveraged himself because of the fact that. He was trying to produce a winning season to save his job. So Kenny Galladay, by the way, we let's go back to the Kenny Galladay situation situation for a second. Mm. Four years, seventy-two million dollars for a receiver that was coming off of hip surgery. When do you ever hear a receiver having hip surgery? When I thought they were going to get Kenny Galladay, I'm like, oh, it'll be like a one-year, fifteen million type of dollar deal. He's going to reestablish his value. 
and they'll we'll, we'll reassess it the following year. Four years, seventy-two million. Who were who was the other person that was trying to get signed Kenny Galladay? He took no other visits. They were negotiating against themselves, and Dave Gettleman gave him seventy-two fucking million dollars. Even Adoree Jackson, who is a fucking superstar, and I love, he's been crucial to the Giants' success. Even he was overpaid. Now I don't care because he's you know our number one corner and he's fucking balling out of his fucking you know mind right now. But like he overpaid him. He he got cut from the Titans, and like wasn't he was a, had a couple injured filled seasons and wasn't playing all that well, and they gave him like thirteen million dollars. So Dave Gettleman just fucking like it. I knew the Dave Gettleman era was going to be bad when his first ever signing. Did anybody remember what his first ever signing was? Jonathan uh, Stewart. Oh boy, two years, six million. Four million guaranteed. You know what I know? I remember that because it burned in my fucking brain. I, that the first move this that. motherfucker makes is he gives Jonathan Stewart a guy who looked like he was 60 and he said, Oh, he's still got plenty left. Then he already knew he was drafting Saquon Barkley. Why are you <laughs> giving Jonathan Stewart that much money when you're drafting Saquon Barkley? Oh, he needs a mentor. Saquon is like one of the most like professional it's, it's... young players. He doesn't need a fucking mentor. <laughs> Jonathan Stewart had one 1,000 yard season, and that was in 2009. This was 2008. Saquon needs a mentor for a guy who was like 15,000 yards. How many of these guys like come over 18. to his house and like repair things around his house afterwards? By the way, that's what's going on. <laughs> by the way, Jonathan Stewart for the 2018 season, three <laughs> games, six carries, 17 yards. Look at the look at the Nate Solder Giants contract, Tom. I don't that want the, to. It is. I don't want to because I don't want to hurt myself. Shit. He he overpaid. If you want to know why the Giants have no money, it's because of him. And the roster that Brian Dable is making miracles out of, which is pure shit, is because of him. It has nothing. He did nothing good for this franchise. I had to get that off my chest because, like, I'm seeing a lot of, like, oh, Dave Gettleman's not so bad anymore. And it's like, fuck you. Yeah, I'm, I'm hot today. I'm fucking <laughs> hot. Oh, man. Drink your beer. But, yeah. I mean, to be fair, Giants 6-1. I'm, I'm Giants 6-1. I'm ecstatic. It's everything, everything I could have hoped for. Everything, though, like yesterday was what I, I felt like was more natural as a Giants fan. Mm-hmm. Like that whole, like, we were going to fucking lose it all last second. And we almost did. There was half a yard's difference between losing that game. Third third team in the Super Bowl era, by the way, to win six games so far, eight points or less. So they're winning the close games. And, like, it's at a That fourth quarter rate. differential is insane, too. I watched the Dan Orvlosky video, the, the drive, the last drive where they ended up kicking the field goal um, and putting themselves up by, what was it, seven uh, or six? Um, they ran power, they ran power run set eight straight times on the eighth time though. That was the keeper from Jones. Mm. So like they kept setting it up, power, power, power. And then all of a sudden fake and he ran into the other side. I, it was I, fucking I, set it up brilliant. Dude. I mean, the, 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 prog- the play progression is 
just as good as it fucking gets right now. I mean, we're we have grand chess masters right now calling the plays, and that's my, why my Kafka. I mean, great decision by Brian Dable to let my Kafka run uh, call the plays. Um, grabbing the best available minds, um, you know, from everywhere. And uh, God, I think you'd agree that was the worst the defense has played all year. Yes, uh, yes, yeah, 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 seventeen they... fucking points. They gave up seventeen points, and it was the worst they played. Yeah, it was it's... well, it it. That score is deceptive of how bad they actually did play because it should have been worse. Yeah, the ETN yeah. fumble was. Uh, we got we got lucky in that that, and then there was the other play that led to the, the fourth down, the fourth down uh, attempt the, where they, they I yeah. think they got the first down on the third down. They went for it on fourth down, and then they end up missing at the end. Yeah, I, the, the officiating was kind of all over the place too. It was fucking terrible. Uh, sometimes I feel like they they get you know they make a few bad calls so they they kind of stick to that to even things out, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, before you know it, like this game gets completely out of hand because on that final drive, like oh they God. ended up getting almost 30 yards and fucking penalties. And I was Did, like, a lot of it was warranted. I will say, but that, that big play to Kirk um, where it got them to the 30 the pass interference call. No, no. The, the oh, roughing the passer the Thibodeau the is being held in a chokehold. Yes. So I'm oh, like, oh no, no, the holding was insane during that last drive. I don't know what Thibodeau has to do to get a fucking holding call at this point, but like it should have been offset penalties. We replay it. They gave them, they gave them the big catch and then roughing the passer, which set them up in the ten. Yeah. So it was like they were they were really giving them every opportunity to win that game, and it's just it literally did. Did it not remind you of the the Super Bowl between the Rams and the Titans? Where he was reaching for the fucking yes. goal line. Yes. It was so fucking similar to that because like thank God for Fabian Monroe. He was uh he fucking balled out of his fucking yeah. He was balling yesterday and, and, and that, he and held that thing. tackle. Even though the defense was was having trouble yesterday, um It was just when, when when they needed when they needed to play big, they played big and they they got the the play that, you know, they came up and made an opportunity for the team so they were doing like a they were doing like this inside fake outside zone runs that were just killing them every single time like etm would like act like it's an inside zone and then like just bounce it outside and it just like no matter what they couldn't stop it at all and it was weird because we had a lot of people in the box too we were playing yeah playing very our linebackers are just very suspect that's the reality of it it's um Defensive they were having, great. You know, they were having a lot of trouble reading the play. I, yeah. I think they because they weren't shifting over, and they would have been filling those gaps that yeah. ETN was just running fucking through wide open. Yeah, so it's uh, it was it's good. I, I I feel good about where we are. I mean, again, the the rookies have contributed very heavily. So Joe Shane doing a great job, but even guys like Jihad Ward, who have you know were like a one year vet minimum type deal have been providing like big impacts and the young guys look like they're contributing Evan Neal, unfortunately, you know, (laughs) arguably having another really great game before he, uh, he hurt himself, but, uh, but he, he's, he should be okay. So um, it's a very injury uh, prone season. Let's put it that way. We're not the only team out there. That's no, that's suffering from injuries and dude, the jets got fucking decimated yesterday. (laughs) They lost game. uh, 
they lost Brees Hall for the year with an ACL, and now fucking Elijah Vera Tucker is out with a triceps injury and, for the year. So. And they were, you know, and that's another team that like was really rolling too. You know, it's they were they like the Giants were able to win a lot of the stupid games. Yeah, although I would argue that like the main difference is that like we give Daniel Jones a lot of credit. He 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 took that game over yesterday. Because uh, they were they were load they were daring the Giants to throw the ball because they were saying like Saquon's not beating us, and even when they tried to stop him in the fourth quarter, Saquon still went off. But uh, but uh, Jones played a great game. Zach Wilson, on the other hand, I think he's spending way too much time banging his mom's friends and needs to start looking at a playbook. He looks awful, dude. He's not good. You could like, do both. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the, the correct answer is yes, but I he's yeah, just. He's- not a productive player. 16 for 26, 126. He's got one passing touchdown. I know he missed a couple games, but he's got one passing touchdown in here. Well, he's played three since then. Yeah. Yeah, he's yeah. he just looks – he's just bad. So I thought they were better with Flacco, to tell you the truth. I agree. And I had Garrett Wilson. I have Garrett Wilson on my fantasy team, and as soon as Flacco left the starting lineup, it's been uh, it's been nothing. Dude, my my one fantasy team got fucking decimated yesterday. I lost fucking Brees Hall, Najoku, and Mike Williams all in one day. Just it was, yesterday was just a brutal injury day. I snatched the jaws of. I went in to the lion's den, Brady's divorce attorney, and stole victory from him. You sliced my meat. Yeah, very unfortunate. Shout out to Kenneth um, Walker. Yeah. Who? Kenneth Walker doesn't walk. He runs. Um, He's really good. But also Raheem Mostert put up a yeah. nice a nice game for me too. Which When did he start putting up numbers? That's Chase, Edmonds Chase Edmonds. Chase Edmonds, uh, Chase Edmonds had flamed out pretty hard. Yes, yeah. he has. Yes, he has. I was worried after Mostert's first touchdown where he caught that pass like – close to the end zone, but it got knocked out of his hands and he got hit right in the chest. I was like the modern day NFL, that might be your done for the game, but he came back in and all yeah. I needed was that all I needed was that touchdown, a couple passing pass catches and 80 yards on the ground and Gatto's meat was sliced. Dude, it's, I mean, I'm looking at this, like your quarterback didn't even have four points. <laughs> no, but, I I have but, been I am in a forever war right now with trying to find a fucking competent quarterback. I had yeah. Geno Smith, my quarterback. I'll, I'll give there. you Derek Carr because I'm probably going to start Danny Dimes from now on. Let Danny Dimes. That's that is a bold move, but I am more than willing to take Derek Carr off your hands. You do we do we want to talk about Daniel Jones? Because I, I love the Giants fan base, but there is there there it is a weird eclectic group. Because there's one side of the group that is saying give Daniel Jones forty million dollars a year now, and there's <laughs> the other side that is like he's winning in spite of like I, I'm and I'm in the middle by the way, but there's another side that's basically saying like he's fucking shit, like he's not good, he's one game away from blowing it all, and like. I'm kind of in the middle. So I, as a non-Giants fan, can I 
jump in yeah, here please. and just kind of give you a um, unbiased take on here. This mm-hmm. will this will also impact our trade agreements for Derek Carr, by the way. So <laughs> choose your words wisely here, Tom. I think the problem that Daniel Jones has is he does nothing really, really well. I think when you see the yards on the ground, that's more of a surprise than anything else, but that's not really what you need from him. Granted, in this last game, it was it he got a touchdown from it, and he can run. Don't get me wrong, but it's got wheels. He's got wheels. The problem is, though, is the nineteen for thirty with two hundred yards. Like you have have, to. He had six drops yesterday, and so watching the game, he he completion percentage is not an issue. He's he's at sixty six point seven right now. It's highest of his career. I think my concern is the yardage, though. Like. And I don't know. I'm not watching any of these games because we get to watch the the Panthers down here mm-hmm. be all sad boys and shit. But oh, luck, is the it. is the play calling <laughs> that way where it's a lot of Go short first. passing? Where six point five not- yards per attempt. So that's the lowest of his career. I mean, let we should probably give Daniel Jones at least two of those because. I mean, there was the one where he literally walks off the field going, catch the fucking ball. Or I like that, actually. Yeah. Yeah, he was he was flaming hot because he did throw a fucking perfect pass right into his chest. Yeah. Um, and it should have it shouldn't have been a touchdown, but it should have been that first down. It was going to be a first down. Yeah. So and... I'm going to give you some numbers here. Um, Twelve hundred and twenty three passing yards right now. That makes that's good for 23rd in the league. Six It'll put him t- right around three thousand for the year. Right. Give uh, six passing touchdowns on the year that is tied for 21st. Only two interceptions, though, so that's second best in the league. And his QBR is 62.6. That's sixth best in the league. So, how about the fumbles? How are the fumbles been? Four four turnovers in seven games. So, two interceptions, two fumbles. Because that was his big thing back in the day, was letting the ball go. He's playing this. You know what this reminds me of? This, so I'm, I'm going to give people a comparison, I think, what the Giants are going to do, because some people are like really conflicted on what to do. They will stay with Daniel Jones most likely probably next year unless a better option comes around. Everybody remember the Kansas City Chiefs, right? Alex Smith, get you into the playoffs. Big games, not really showing up, can't take over a game. Patrick Mahomes was a option for them. They jumped up in the draft and they got him. There's a difference, right? Because like you know it when you see it. And if Brian Dable can do this with Daniel Jones, my thought process is if you give him an even better quarterback, they're going to win Super Bowls. Gary right? Schrader. <laughs> you fucking Syracuse fucking bullshit out of here. Um, so my thought process is that Daniel Jones, they're going to structure a deal most likely. He probably will be the quarterback next year because they're not going to be in striking distance for any of these top-tier quarterbacks. So maybe they take an Anthony Richardson a little bit later and let him sit for a couple of years. So Jones will most likely be back unless like Lamar becomes available. Um, but like they're going to be on the hunt continuously for a for a better option. I think they're pragmatists. I think they realize that he is he's playing well, but he's playing within a very structured system, and there are limitations to what he can do. He can't take a game over with his arm. He can take a game over with his feet. But as you see, like he's also taken some fucking brutal hits over the last few years. So there's a, there's an expiration date to how often you can do that shit. I will say I am, I am probably leaning in that camp that 
they either sign him to a real like one or two year deal or they franchise tag him for next year because I don't think the option I don't honestly I don't I would rather have Daniel Jones than signing a backup free agent from another team. I, just, I mean, I don't three, I don't, three, three years, 45 million front load the shit out of it and incentives and the, shit like that. The good thing is I don't I don't think there's too many teams that are going to be like chomping at the bit to get Daniel Jones. Though. Yeah, it's going to be a really shallow pool of people. That so want him. I'd rather franchise Saquon and secure him for another year i think the number is gonna be like nine million for a running back and a doable. franchise tag it's very doable he's making eight million this year michael has a bit of a problem but like you know because he's not he's gonna want a long-term deal after the season but um you're not gonna just let him walk out the door you can't so but yeah jones like what maybe the colts maybe the colts would offer him a big deal colts could use some i think they're i think help, they're actually but... gonna draft a real ass quarterback yeah. instead of trying to find old ones because they've done it for the last three years. They did it with Philip Rivers. They did it with Carson. And now they're doing it with Matt Ryan. But here's the problem, though, is that are they going to be in striking distance for one of those guys? I think they'll be in striking distance for probably Will Levis. I, how many more games do you think that the Colts are going to win this year? So the Texans right now, 1-4-1 one, and one are, I'm guessing, the number one pick. So they're going to take a quarterback without a doubt. Right, the Lions one and five. Actually, I think the Lions would probably have the number one pick right now. They're going to take a quarterback for sure. So, Stroud, Young, Levis is kind of second tier for me. And then you're getting into more of a gray area with guys that are like talented, but like maybe not top tier. Somebody will show up though. Like. I, I think the more that you see Tennessee on television, the more people are going to be intrigued by Hendon Hooker. I know that he's not a favorite of yours just because he's, he's older, old. but yeah, but the but there are football teams out there that are fucking desperate, and you don't want to get in between a desperate football team and any quarterback prospect. The reason I don't like older quarterbacks is because the hit rate on those guys are zero. Like, there's never been a guy who's come in I, as far as I know, 25 years old. and Kurt Warner. Oh, I don't disagree Kurt, with Kurt you. Kurt Warner wasn't drafted as an older player, though. He was a guy who bounced around the league and then got signed. Like I'm talking about a guy who literally comes in. Like like Brandon Whedon's the last guy I can think of that was like – he was near 30. Drew Henson, when he got through. another guy. But he wasn't drafted. He played, ba- he played baseball, though. So, like, But here's the thing, though. Here's Yankee, the thing. Yankee legend. Is that NFL teams are fucking stupid. So they will do anything if they think they have enough people in a room to tell them it's a good idea. And I've watched Hendon Hooker, and I'm like, he's playing well within the structure. I don't see NFL. I, I've been wrong before, so I mean, like, don't I'm an idiot. Don't listen to me, but like, I'm just giving you my opinion. But if we're talking um, about a shallow draft pool, right? Like guys like that show up because that's kind of how it goes. I think this and- is a good QB class, and I think it's a deep one. I just think that there's a big gap between the Stroud and Bryce Young and then everybody else. I would still take Stroud. It's not fair to the other quarterbacks because they're exceptional. <laughs> you don't you don't not like Bryce Young at all. He's just too small, dude. He's he's not a big guy. I like thought the real... NFL doesn't even draft anything under six three. Well Russell he's... Wilson five eleven. Anomaly. Yeah, yeah but and look what he's doing with Murray. commercials these days. Tyler Murray was 5'11", five, five, 5'10". Five, yeah, but look at what these teams are doing right now. I uh, Listen, <laughs> I'm I'm not a Kyler Murray stan, okay? 
But I'd I'd argue that the majority of Arizona's problems lie on the the shoulders of Steve Kime for drafting shitty teams and then fucking fail son fucking legend Cliff Kingsbury. (laughs) Cliff Kingsbury, for anybody who doesn't realize, Cliff Kingsbury never had a winning, like barely ever had a winning record at Texas Tech, gets fired from Texas Tech, gets offered the USC offensive coordinator job, a week later, gets quits from that job because the Arizona Cardinals offered him the head coaching job. Have we ever seen somebody fail upwards at such a ridiculous trajectory? Ever? I mean, almost every politician, but. Um, and also look up Cliff Kingsbury's second half of the seasons. Ass, this dude, this dude ass. starts hot every single year. And then the second half is just pure. I'm so glad HBO Max is doing the hard knocks in season again. And it's going to be the Arizona Cardinals. It's going to be so fun to watch just pure shit. It's going to be like people screaming at each other in the locker room. It's going to be great. More than they do now. Yeah, I can't I can't wait. But I would argue that Kyler Murray in a good environment, he's got his issues, but I think he'd be much better. Put him on so, the Giants and tell me he wouldn't be better. I think Murray. that team is just dysfunctional. But I will say this, like Bryce Young probably is going to be a good player. But six foot one ninety three scares me, and Stroud being six three, bigger guy probably can take hits a little bit more. I'm more interested in what he can do, and then the other guys like Tanner McKee, Will Levis, DJ Uyunglele. No, he just got benched. <laughs> yeah, he got benched for a freshman. <laughs> he just um, got benched, <laughs> and then it goes Hooker, Richardson, Van Dyke, Cameron Ward from Washington State. I don't think that's real. Um, and then Stetson Bennett, the law firm. I don't think he gets drafted. And uh, Hartman, yeah. Hartman will be most likely coming. Sam in Hartman class. from Wake Forest, yeah, a fan fan favorite of ours. Honestly, um, I would be really curious to see what happens with Jaden Daniels from LSU if they keep winning games. He is intriguing, man. He is intriguing because he's got mm-hmm. literally he's got good size too. He's like six three, two hundred. He's got everything you want. Uh, I haven't really seen him throw the ball a lot, so I'm like I I would like to see how he how he how he throws it all three levels, but uh, but man, that skill set is fucking juicy. Yeah, honestly, starting in the summer when he transferred from Arizona State, he was listed as an undrafted free agent. I'm curious to see what it's going to look like fucking moving Herm. forward. Goddamn Herm Edwards, man! <laughs> what the fuck is he doing over there? I don't know, dude, but I. <laughs> I am generally concerned if you're letting a guy like him go and then he looks like the number one pick in the draft. I mean, I don't associate like high powered offenses with Brian Kelly. I don't really associate anything with him, which is even more impressive. So Jaden Daniels went 21 for 28, 248, two touchdowns through the air and then 23 carries 121 on the ground, three touchdowns. Jesus Christ. Beasting on him. But Tanner McKee from. Stanford went 33 for 57 with 320 and a pick. Nope. Losing to Arizona State. No thanks. I don't want I Stanford quarterbacks not named Andrew Luck. Not interested. Yeah. Uh Bo Nix from Oregon has never mm, been good. Not interested. But he threw five touchdowns. Not interested. Yeah, he sucks. He's garbage. Uh let's see. Bryce Young. Yeah, I do too. I think the thing that he's going to run into is that he's going to be older than some 24. 
He'll be 24. Medicals, medicals, though, I mean, that's the concern. But, like, he's not going to be a first-round pick. Like, that's the difference. Like, I don't mind taking a guy that age if he's not a first-round pick. But mm-hmm. Hooker's going to be a top-15 pick at this point. Yeah. And, like, I, I'm not willing to commit. Like, if you're telling me I can get Sam Hartman in the fourth round, I'd rather take Hartman in the fourth round than taking fucking – you know, Hendon Hooker in the first round just doesn't seem smart. Yeah. So all that to be said, I think the Giants would probably take one of those guys in like the third or fourth round, hang on to Daniel Jones, because I think that's the other concern too, is like the backups behind Daniel Jones for the last two years have been the neck and then Tyrod Taylor, who's or whose last team tried to kill him. I've been thinking about Jaden Daniels. Like if Jaden, I think he's going to go back after this year and like depending on how this fin- this season finishes because from lsu was- yeah because yeah because lsu is not ranked so i think I'm- he's out of eligibility though is he a junior i think he's a senior he did three years at arizona state you might be right so he c- i know he can probably apply for he might be able to apply for a extra year of eligibility he's only 21 he'll be 22 in december so he's young um, if he ends up going in like the third round, second, third round, I, that's a, that's a guy that I think the Giants should probably target pretty, pretty early. Like in like an early, like an early second round pick, grab a guy like that, because you can sit him for a year or two and, you know, let him kind of grow within the position. So, but the skill set is just fucking crazy. Yeah. He might be one of the, the last guys to have like that COVID year eligibility left. Maybe. Yeah. Bo Nix, like, not interested. I watched him at Auburn. He was – He I mean, sucked at Auburn. I know everyone sucks at Auburn. So, like, Auburn is just, like, the Gus Malzana is, like, a, a Greek tragedy. But, like, you know, he was god-awful. He could not hit a fucking pass to save his life. And I know – who's at Oregon now? Who's Bo the Nicks. coach at Oregon? Oh, no, um – Because I know I know Crystal Ball left for Miami, so I don't remember who took over. Dan Lanning. Who the fuck is Dan Lanning? Who's Dan Lanning? (laughs) Well, impressive that he's doing that um, because Bo Nix, I mean, obviously has a great skill set. He's kind of Daniel Jones-ish in that I trust him more to run the ball than pass the ball. Yeah. um, Because he's got a a good, like, physical skill set. But, yeah, no, not, not interested. Dan Lanning, former defensive coordinator and outside linebackers coach at the University of Georgia. Well, I mean, it's pretty good. It's pretty good credentials right there because most of those guys are first round picks. Yeah, and he's got him. <laughs> he's got him six and one right now. So pretty impressive. They beat they, uh, they beat uh, Chip Kelly, right? They beat uh, him at UCLA. Yeah, that's pretty. That's pretty good. He was a Speaking GA up. at Alabama too, so he's got two national titles on his resume. If you get to if you get to say I coach the outside linebackers at Georgia, you, you're you're going to catch some attention because those guys are continually top fifteen picks every yeah, single year. Fucking beasting on people. It's crazy. All right, do we want to move to the sport that shall not be named? Go ahead. Q. What's up? How are you? Oh, it's much better when we're talking about the Giants. I. Do you want me to just? say my piece <laughs> you could say your piece <laughs> i'm so fucking sick of this fucking team i'm so fucking sick of it guys i can't take any more of this because 
I can't even be excited if they fire Aaron Boone because they're just going to get another analytics fucking jockey to come in here and they're going to tell him the success rate of fucking taking his star pitcher out in game three. When you have Garrett Cole on the fucking mound, I don't care if he's at 95 pitches. You're paying him 300 fucking million dollars. Let him pitch. Take him out. Trevino gets fucking hit. This team needs a real good look in the mirror because the problem is it's not working. Brian Cashman for too long has prioritized paying guys that hit home runs over anything else. The Yankees think if they hit the most home runs in the league, they win the world series. And every single year we are showing that, that it's not fucking true. And yet they keep doubling down. We just need that one more guy. We just need one more guy. They trade fucking Gio Urshela, who was a pretty damn good fielder and hit over 300 this year. And they trade Gary Sanchez, which I was fine with because he fucking blows. For IKF, who almost cost them the series against the Guardians with his fielding at shortstop. And fucking Josh Donaldson. And there's a clip going around Twitter right now where it's Brian Cashman saying, well, we really love Gio, but he's not Josh Donaldson. Did you see Gio's tweet this morning? I did. Good morning (laughs) with the the T. Yeah, good, good. He deserves it because he was one of those guys that came out of nowhere and was really good for this team and was one of the personalities that everyone like loved. And you traded him for Josh racist ass Donaldson who no one fucking liked, but we, we put up with because like, what are we supposed to do? Right. Donaldson, who's already close to 40 at this point and is hitting fucking, what did he hit this year? Tom Two twenty. I don't know. I didn't watch enough Yankee games, but it, he's not, a, he's not an average guy and he didn't hit a whole lot of home runs either. Josh Donaldson this year hit 222. So 222, 15 homers, 62 RBIs. That's the guy that Brian Cashman thinks is going to fucking fix this team. And we're, we're walking into an, uh, an, uh, an off season with shortstop being like the big, the big prizes like Carlos Correa and all these guys. And they're going to stick with IKF. I already know what they're going to do. They're going to stick with IKF and they're going to wait for Volpe. Didn't want to trade Volpe at the deadline. They, they have, got themselves into this position now where they are a old shitty team that only hits home runs or strikes out. They haven't learned those baby bombers from 2017. None of them panned out. And now they're in a situation where they're entrenched into a situation where they're going to have to stick with fucking Cashman and Boone to ultimately try and keep Aaron judge here. Ultimately, guess what? He's going to fucking leave. You really he's, think he's going to leave? He is a thousand percent going to leave. Why do you say that? Because I think he sees the writing on the wall. He's a smart guy. I think he knows he's not winning a fucking World Series here. It's not going to happen. They don't have the farm system, and they don't have they don't have the prospects. They would have to completely overhaul their entire team at this point. They're too entrenched with these old fucking guys, Giancarlo Stanton, who can barely hit fucking two twenty. They are so home run or bust at this point, and they don't have anybody in the farm system that's going to come up and save them. At least a couple years ago, like when Glaber was a rookie, 
you felt as though that like, okay, they're a little bit older, but they have all this young talent in the farm system and they traded most of those guys away for fucking nothing. And the guys that they did keep Clint Frazier and all those other guys didn't pan out. So now here we are. So now here we are at this point where, what do you do? Because ultimately, even if they fire Boone, they're just going to, they, they have an analytic system and you either follow it or you get fired. So I can't even put this all on Boone. There's some certainly questionable lineup decisions, but it's all based off the Yankees analytics team. It's fucking flawed. It is flawed. They would need to gut everything and they're not going to do that. Hal Steinbrenner does not have the guts to do that. He is going to, I know what they're going to do. They're going to double down on Cashman. They're going to say we were four games away. At least in 2017, you could blame the cheating on the Astros. What do you blame on them now? You can't blame anything. They fucking beat you. They took you to the cleaners and they made you look like shit. So I, I don't know. I mean, like, I, I dream of them throwing the bag at Theo Epstein, but it's like, it's they're not going to do it. Yeah. Aaron Judge is the only person on this team to hit over 300. The closest person behind him was DJ LeMay, who at 261. But I don't, I'm curious, though, because, like, what, what does the offseason look like for the Yankees now in an ideal situation? You're asking what I think would be ideal. I think they fire everyone, literally everyone, regard because they're not going to do it because they're scared that Judge is going to see a rebuild at 30 years old, 31 years old, and he's like, I'm not going to stick around for a rebuild. They did this with Girardi. They made Girardi the scapegoat. Mm-hmm. And like I told you the other day, I think Girardi, it was time for Girardi to go. But like he had his flaws. He he did. And he didn't let look, he left Philly and now they're in the World Series. So mm-hmm. Dave Thompson, by the way, is the manager there. Yankees uh bench coach during Girardi is leading the Phillies into the World Series. Um they needed to after Girardi, they needed to gut everything, get rid of the analytics that they were fucking using, get rid of Cashman, get rid of everybody, and start over. Everybody was young enough to be able to do it. Now you can't do it. You're too fully entrenched, and like you're gonna scare Judge off if if you go full rebuild. But it's the for the best of the team, that would be the thing to do. Is Anthony Rizzo there for another year? <sighs> I guess so. He's a good glove at first base, and he hits home runs, so that's perfect for a cat. That's that's how Cashman likes him. He yeah. doesn't care about his batting average or anything like that. Um, the fact that fucking he hit 224 this year doesn't care about that. Um, yeah, he had 32 homers and 75 RBIs. I mean, how many more times? How many more times does this team have to lead the major leagues in, in home runs, get to the playoffs, and then fucking disappear before they finally like smarten up and go like maybe this isn't working? You know. I think it was a lot more telling when it was the Aaron Judge, Giancarlo Stanton, um, Gary Sanchez Yankees where them hitting three, four, five. Yep. 
all you had to do was scroll over to the right-hand side of the stat box and see how many strikeouts that they had. And, you know, I think Judge is the one that's been able to progress of all of them because ultimately he's the one who's been able to stay healthy. Gary Sanchez says, like, he's going to work at a Red Lobster pretty soon. (laughs) But I'm looking at this team, and these guys right now never really understood the IKF signing because it never really made a ton of sense to me. But – I think right now you're stuck with guys like DJ LeMayhew. You're going to get another year out of Anthony Rizzo, but he's clearly in decline. And I think Josh Donaldson is there for another year too. So we're talking about like roster flexibility is pretty stuck. And you also have our favorite player in Aaron Hicks floating around too, with like a six year, $100 million contract. Um, so, look, I can rag on the Yankees all night, and Mike, I was thinking like this would be swift vengeance, but at the same time, though, I'm also a fan of a team that doesn't know what the fuck they're doing either. So, I think the frustrating part is, unfortunately, what you're seeing right now with the Yankees queue, this is the byproduct of two things: one, sabermetrics, and two teams overutilizing the shift where now the only thing you can do is just hit a home run solves that problem right there. I'm curious to see what next year is going to look like when they limit the shifts. Are we going to go back to a, a game where hitting is more prevalent than just like hitting home runs, like hitting for average is going to be more important than just like hitting it over the fence. It, it's, it's crazy to me that like, I understand batting average isn't everything. Like, I get that. It like, doesn't hurt, though. It doesn't fucking hurt. The Guardians, like, how many times did Bob Costa say, oh, the Guardians hit half the home runs the Yankees did? They were in the same fucking spot. They were facing each other, and the Guardians almost blooped them to death with those little fucking bloop, 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 when IKF fucking have no idea what to do. But I wanted, I'd be remiss if I didn't bring up the fact that Aaron Boone should have been fired on the fucking spot for using... The 2004. <laughs> Are you fucking kidding me? You get on a FaceTime with fucking David Ortiz and you're showing Yankee fans arguably one of the worst things to ever happen to them in the history of their franchise, which is over 100 years old. You show them that as motivation to win the series. I, I I'm fucking flat he should have been like george steinbrenner would have fired him that night and said you're done yeah here we have uh dave roberts stealing a base here we have johnny damon hitting a grand slam in game seven of the alcs here we have mark bellhorn tinging one off the foul pole like how is that supposed to motivate your team it's guys in literally the same fucking uniform losing michael k today i'm gonna read michael michael k I talked to three players from the 04 team, and they were outraged that their failure was used as inspiration for the 22 team. And to make it worse, Eduardo Perez has Aaron Boone FaceTime with David Ortiz. You are going to use the darkest moment in Yankees history. How do you do that? If George was alive, someone would be fired for that. If I'm Hal Steinbrenner, I would be red hot. You are talking to David Ortiz. You are taking advice from Big Poppy. 
Maybe maybe Boone's like one of those guys that like he needs people to talk shit to him to get motivated. You know, he he loves the haters. <sighs> I have no listen. Aaron Boone is he's hamstrung. a real out of the box thinker. God. <laughs> he he's not smart, but he's hamstrung by the Yankee analytic team because if he does if he follows the analytics, then that's what they want him to do. If he goes deviates from that and it doesn't work. He's going to get fired. So he's like, he's really yeah, coaching the Yankees is basically like being a computer at this point. They just read the numbers to you and tell you what to do. And then you just follow it. So there's, there's no human instinct to it, but Cashman is the real fucking problem. And I just don't great last do name. That. Great yeah. last name. That's about all he's got. He's been riding those fucking World Series from the fucking 1990s for a long Where fucking he time. He was not now. even the GM for, by he the way. He didn't even fucking build those teams. He was just there. <laughs> Sometimes you get credit for being there. He literally gets credit for, for other people's wins. And that's the thing that blows my mind why the Yankees are so loyal to him. It's like he was the assistant GM. Like he was the guy that would get coffee for the actual GM. He is the George Costanza. The real life George Costanza <laughs> of the New York Yankees. I mean, <laughs> I, I just don't even know what to do anymore, man. Because like, this is what you do, Q. You start showing up every day. When they walk in, you you follow them in with a tray of coffee. You start handing them out, and they'll be like, "Where's that Q guy?" And then you'd be like, "Oh, I actually don't work for the team." And be like, "Oh, how about you give me a job?" And then eventually you will take credit for something good that will happen to the Yankees because it's a matter of if with them. How long, how long, how long, how long has Brian Cashman been fucking riding those Gene Michael teams? Like, I mean, how long? I mean, you got Bob Bob Watson after him. And like, I mean, you fucking riding those teams for so long. 2009 was about it, but they, I mean, with arguably like the only way they won was because of the fact that they signed Teixeira and Sabathia and Burnett and all those fucking big guns like that. Like that was the only reason they won. They had a rod and fucking Jeter and all those other guys and a rod. Thank God had like an amazing postseason. but like, I mean, that's not impressive. That's not built for sustained success. Like that's like, it's an old team that is like going out for one last fucking win. So it's just like, I want to see a fucking team that actually uses their fucking power of money to buy players, but also builds a system, a nucleus of young players. Look at those teams in the 90s. Andy Pettit, Jeter, Posada, all those guys, other than like Paul O'Neill. Paul O'Neill was a big guy they brought in. Tino Martinez. Like all of them were like homegrown guys drafted. You know what this 2022 team reminds me of? Tell me the 05 Yankees. Oh God. Yeah. Where one guy on the team had like a monster year in a rod and everybody else was just kind of there. And you could see that team was starting to age. Yep. And right now this was, this was the year they were going to win a world series. If it wasn't this year, it was not going to be, it's not going to be next year because you have too many guys on the wrong side of 30. You have too many guys on the wrong side of the average is starting to dip. Yep. And they're also so fucking slow. <laughs> Everyone on the team moves like their fucking shoes are filled with molasses. I think this oh my was the God, whole... I think I round bases faster. 
I think this is the thing that was like intimidating about the Yankees is that everybody on that team was like six foot four, 230 pounds. And you had like judge Hicks Stanton out in outfield. And then you had other guys too. Like they had big dudes. The problem is though, is that when big dudes age in baseball, they get slow everywhere. Yeah. And they're not an athletic team. And I understand that's kind of why they wanted to get IKF because he's a younger guy. But he's not great either. He fucking sucks. He's not good. He's not a good hitter. And like he was known for his glove and like the amount of errors. I mean, this team, I mean, dude, game three like with Cole, right? He's dominating in the first inning. And then all of a sudden, pop fly. Right, Harrison Bader, who is literally known for his glove error, I'm like, it's gonna be a home run. Got to be a home run next next at bat because this inning should be over. And like that two run homer, of course. Just knew it. They just they literally were destined to lose that series, and it's against the Astros of all fucking teams, the teams that owned you over the last few years, and of course it's in four fucking games. Didn't even show a sign of life. Last night was about the most life they shown this entire series, and they they still lost. So you should become a hockey fan. You know what really bothered me? And this the is... Islanders. <laughs> Ooh, yikes! You know what really bothered me is when they traded when they when the Yankees got rid of Didi Gregorius. I thought that was a bad move on their part. I think they cursed themselves with that because Gregorius he... curse. He was he great, was, man. He was great. Like, and he was the guy that was coming in after Derek Jeter, and he played really well. Everybody on the team really liked him, but they wanted to make Labor Torres the shortstop. And it's just it has not worked. And now they're stuck because now they have all of these infielders that are coming up, and now they are stuck with DJ LeMayhew, Glaber Torres, Josh Donaldson, IKF, and all the young guys that are coming up too, and they don't know how to make it all work. Yeah. And their pitching is suspect at best. I mean, Cole, Cole at this point is he, he, he actually pitched well in the postseason. I, I have really nothing bad to say about Garrett Cole. He um, was just very unlucky though, because yeah. under normal circumstances, that two run home run would have, would have not been a big deal. Yep. And, uh, Nestor Cortez was great. Um, and, uh, you know, Severino, I mean, like, he barely pitched the entire year, so I can't really put it on him. But, like, they just don't really have any pitching prospects to talk about. And, like, the only, the best prospect they have is Volpe and, like, shortstop, which, again, they didn't bother to, like, bring him up or trade him, maybe, like, go after Luis Castillo. Apparently, like, that was the only thing holding that trade back was, was Volpe. And for Luis Castillo, which would have been a great fucking second starter for them. And like, especially now, like when you talk about the, the Houston series, I mean, they had Tyon fucking pitching game one. Like you're they were on short rest. I get it. But like, I mean, Jamison fucking Tyon is starting game one of the, the ALCS. And it's like you're just fucked. You know, you're fucked when you're going in that. And you're not like- getting cold until game three. I feel like they're missing the best years of Luis Severino solely because of injury. Like he's always hurt. He was he was going to be a star. I mean, and he won nineteen the, games in twenty eighteen. Yep, he was and a he beast. Tommy dude. John and everything else under the sun. So he was he was dominant. He pitched just, one game in twenty nineteen. No twenty twenty. One game. I think he's only like 
27, 28. So he still has a chance, but like, you know, and again, like when he talked about these injuries, like Strasburg, even Strasburg, when he came he's, back from, he's done, he's done now, but I'm saying when he came back from that Tommy John, it took him like two or three years to kind of get back to the velocity. So there's still hope for Severino, but like, you can't rely on him. You can't look at him and say like, but that's what I guy. mean though. Like, you know, it was 2017, 2018. He was an all-star. He was 23 and 24. He won 19 games in 2018. And then you lose 19, 20, 21. And now this year, you lost four years of his career from him just being hurt the whole time. And, yep. you know, this is prime time, prime pitching time right now. Like I, this can't is- wait. I can't wait for Severino to get traded to the Mariners. He's going to win 22 games. It's going to be hilarious. <laughs> Him and the guy you actually wanted instead of Frankie Montas. <laughs> oh, God. Frankie Montas. I get why they made that trade, though. And actually, I thought it was a pretty good idea. It's just it didn't work out. He had a great record against the Astros. So they saw that and they saw that he was like on a bad team. So they said to themselves, like, yeah, if in the postseason, if he's our number two and we get him going against Houston, he dominates Houston. So it, it seemed good on paper. I don't but, think the Yankees should just trade for anybody on the athletics, though. The Brian Cashman experience. There was somebody floating the idea that the the Yankees should sign Billy Bean to be their executive. And I don't I think like, Billy Bean would know what to do. I'm like, are you like that's that is like the dumbest fucking thing I've ever heard in my life. Why would he want the job in the first place? Like, that's. I mean, we go, live in the dumbest timeline of all time. So it's it's completely the like against everything he stands for is spending money. So it's like, okay, maybe he could do a good job with a like a big payroll, but like it's just it's silly. If I'm the Yankees, I'm trying to poach somebody from the Astros, the Dodgers front office. I would even say the Padres front office too, because. On top of the guys they've been able to sign, they've also had some really nice prospects they've been able to put together. They weren't even in on Soto. They weren't even in on him. Because they knew that they're going to have to sign Judge, though. Like, at a certain point, like, the Yankees are literally made of money, but they're not made of that much money. Aaron Judge can play center field. That's Aaron... not the point, though. You have to pay two guys $400 million. Then then what are we doing? If you're not going to be George Stein, if you're not going to be a Steinbrenner, and say, fuck the payroll, I want to win a championship, you're not going to win. Bryce Harper, Bryce Harper's dream as a 16-year-old kid coming out was to play for the New York Yankees. It didn't work out because the Nationals had the first pick in the draft, and like clearly they weren't going to trade a phenom like Bryce Harper to the Yankees. But when he became available, how the fuck do you not go out there and try and get him? At they any got out Giancarlo Stanton instead. Fucking Giancarlo Stanton. <laughs> you get Mike fucking Stanton instead of Bryce Harper. And I don't care. Put Bryce Harper at first base for all I give a shit. Like, I don't care where you play him. Like, oh, we got Aaron Judge. Like, what are we supposed to do with Bryce Harper? Fucking put him in put him in fucking catcher. I don't give a shit. Put him on the fucking water boy. I don't care. He said he would play anywhere for the he Yankees. He would. He would have played anywhere to play for the Yankees. And the Yankees were like, nah, we're good. No, thanks. We're set. Fucking losers. Absolute losers. Losers. They went, they got Mike Stanton. They could have gotten Christian Yelich instead of fucking Mike Stanton. <laughs> Jeter doing you fucking favors. Fucking. Uh, this is fun now. 
Q's not going to be able to sleep all night. We've come to the self-actualization component of the podcast. I've gone through through all five stages within the last (laughs) hour. He's anger, denial, acceptance, all that bullshit. You finally have reached Scotch. That is the final stage. You know what? At this point, the Giants are good. The Knicks look fun, at least. I, they're not going to be good. <laughs> they look fun. They'll be entertaining. I, I'm actually I'm very excited that you said that this year because yeah. usually the the first like two weeks when the Knicks like don't blow every game. I watch too guys... much Tom. I watch way too much Tom Thibodeau at this point to think that this team's going to be good. Like he's gonna he's gonna he's gonna find a way to get Alec Burks on this team and play him thirty minutes a night at point guard, a position he does not play. This fucking guy. You're gonna get some magic tonight. If they don't win tonight, I don't know what you want to do. So they're playing right now, right? They're about to start now. Quentin Grimes out again. This bitch. Yep. So I said my piece. Fire Cashman, throw the bag at uh, Theo Epstein. It would be therapeutic to have former Red Sox executive Theo Epstein as the president. And maybe if, he can deliver a fucking winner. If Aaron Theo. Judge leaves, where does he yeah. go? San Francisco. Why? They are they are led by Gabe Kapler, who I think is like a player's manager type. He's going to go home. I think he's going to go home. That's such I a think, whack place to go, though. It is, but like, who are the people that are going to really sign him? Angels, but they're whack too. They're yeah, but bad. I'd rather I would rather be whack in Los Angeles than in San Francisco <laughs> with Anthony Rendon, Mike Trout, and Shohei Otani on my team. I mean, it's it. it I guess so. They won seventy three games this year. I, I, Judge. They don't have the payroll though. Don't don't. don't don't do an Adrian Beltre and ruin. Mike <laughs> <Hackney> <laughs> That's where good players go to die. So it's like it's like retire it's like retirement home. It's like you just like oh I'm done. I'm, I want to rest now. I'm gonna go to Seattle. See the the home <laughs> argument doesn't land with me because it's like this guy's about to be worth five hundred million dollars. He could fucking buy a a plane and ship his family up and down the coast if he, he wants. He was a Giants to. fan growing up. Some people want to play for the team that they grew up on. They yeah. were growing up on. They, I don't. They won, they won eighty one games. <laughs> they want to. I, I just don't think. I don't like. Look, I think there's a limited amount the Dodgers can spend, right? Like, I, I know they're going to go there. They don't have gonna, any space in the outfield either for him. They could let Trey Turner go. He's probably going to be a free agent, but he plays short, doesn't he? Yeah, but payroll wise, that would like kind of sync up. He ain't going anywhere. He's staying. Permanent DH. But, I mean, he's a gold glove. Come he's on. probably he's probably staying with the Yankees. But like, I mean, like, I wouldn't <laughs> if I was him. I'm ho- I see like I'm getting to I'm getting to the point of like being vindictive and like I want I want Hal Steinbrenner embarrassed. So I would love if he keeps fucking Cashman and, and Boone in because he's like, we can't scare Aaron off. We have to pretend like we're like solidarity, right? And like he's announced that they're all coming back and judges like, see you guys. And then he's stuck with fucking Boone and Cashman and just an absolute 70 win team. Like without judge, like sixty-five to seventy wins. Could you imagine the Mike Stanton bobblehead night? <laughs> <laughs> well, because I mean, like, I, like the Giants, for example, got if they a, if they lose, judge, blow it up, blow it up, trade as much as you can, and get rid of it. 
sometimes it takes sometimes it takes a couple really bad years for you for the team to finally kind of smarten up and like get to the point where they finally just go okay enough john mara hit that point last year i i would argue that some teams don't know how to even do that well so they just they just (laughs) middle they just middle for fucking ever without even knowing how to get themselves out of a bad situation tom does that sound familiar to you Middling for the last like decade, and before Which... that was an embarrassment. The Knicks. Oh, I thought you were talking about the Commanders too. I'm sorry, well, I'm a yeah. fan of way no. too many <laughs> shitty teams. That actually applies. Actually. I'm getting all of my mediocre teams you, and horrible you really, owners. You really love like you really love franchises that spend a lot of money and get absolutely nothing in return for them. Again, which, which one are you talking about? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I guess I do too, but like, man, like you get it in all three phases basketball, baseball, and fucking. The thing is, you, though, you just like punishment. And here's yeah. the thing, though, about being a Red Sox fan is like, they get good year next year. That's the thing, though, is they go like, they go bad. They're in the basement good. and then mm-hmm. they win a World Series. They're in the basement mm-hmm. and then they win a, like, and I. I struggle with it. Like, do you want a team that's competitive all the time, but never like wins a world series? Or do you want to be like, do you want to be a fucking Marlins fan where they win 60 games and then they win a world series and they trade everybody away? There's still a fan I, sleeping in their stadium somewhere right now. He's just I, like, forgot. Like, Oh wow. I would say they just moved him from the old stadium <laughs> to the new stadium. <laughs> it, Don't wake him up. <laughs> It wouldn't it wouldn't be a bad thing if like on the off years one of your other teams would have a good year to balance it out. So you're just focusing mm. on one team. There was at a like time, one but... year where both the Red Sox were good, Washington was good, and the Knicks were good. And I was like, this can't be real. Twenty sixteen? No. It might have been twenty sixteen. Was it the year that that the Knicks had Jason Kidd and all those other guys? They won fifty games with Melo? That would have been like what 2015, 2016? I remember that season. It was Mike Woodson leading them. It might have been like 2012, 2013. Oh, wait, actually, that might have been it. Yeah. Uh, I'm 20... trying to think when the re- uh, the commanders were like a competitive team. A yeah, that was so that was the year that the Knicks had um Jason Kidd and Marcus Camby and Kenyon Martin and like uh, Rashid Wallace. It was like the guys. oldest team in the league. But the average, they were they were killing yeah. it. <laughs> they were they the entire first half of the season they were just dominating. And Jason Kidd, you could see him like <sighs> huffing and puffing down the court because it's. And like then Mike Bibby shows feet. up out of nowhere. He's like, "Hey guys, <laughs> I'm tattoo list now." <laughs> <laughs> Mike Bibby made this entire transformation going from Sacramento to New York, and he shed all of his tattoos. <laughs> Just to get new ones now that he was in New York. God. Incredible stuff. It's like a hard wipe on his hard drive. <laughs> now I'm just going to reinstall all this malware again. <laughs> well, Q, we're – well, somebody out there is rooting for um, you and the Yankees to do better. I'm certainly it's not. It's not us. Um, yeah, sorry. Yeah, you – this is not the Anthony <laughs> – this is not the Q sympathy corner. <laughs> But I hope that Aaron Judge stays because if he leaves, then you might be better off. Just then like... you might be on a watch list. Yeah. 
I've already said I've already I've already said my piece that I think I hope Judge leaves for his own good. I'm I'm actually rooting for Aaron Judge. And for me, rooting for Aaron Judge means him getting away from this fucking absolute fucking shit show of a franchise. What is the most unexpected team that he could go to? Like the most like out of the blue, like that was weird, but makes sense. Astros. No. Tech they don't. Or- they don't really go big payroll. <sighs> I've. I thought about it, and outside the no, and outside the box team that I could see him going to is the White Sox. Really? Yeah. Still big market, and it's it's a team that's like, you know, kind Decent. of in the middle. Yeah, they got some really good young guys, and like maybe a big bad away from being like a relevant team in the Central because like the Guardians, like they're like. What would happen if you went to the Mets? They'll make a push for him. I just I can't imagine like he's got an assemblance of like I think he's smart enough to know that he's like I can't go to the Mets. There's two teams that he's not going to go to. It's the Red Sox and it's the Mets. He he will not go to the Red Sox. I'm 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 that almost I'm pretty much confident. All of the people who are in like the Red Sox like fan base who think that he's going, I'm like you all are on crystal meth. Hotlanta, lay off the Duncan. I don't know. They let Freddie Freeman go. I, I just can't imagine. Like, I don't know. The Braves seem to be like doing a good job at like fostering young talent, and they've and, locked it all up too. It, yeah, it so. almost sounds like paying for your talent doesn't do you shit either. Huh? Weird, huh? Yeah. <laughs> Only they could take a fucking page out of the book. Um, yeah, but Nationals or like the Philadelphia Phillies wouldn't shock me. Um, Philadelphia Phillies would make a little bit of sense to me. Cardinals. Um, it's the maybe. lamest city in the country. It's, it really is, but like, I think he, I, I think he stays with the Yankees. Like, real, real hat on for a second. I think he stays with the Yankees, but like, I kind of don't want him to. <laughs> like, yeah, the options are not great outside of the Bronx. The one, the one that I think would be really intriguing for him, Texas Rangers. Yeah, I thought about them because Seager is there. Yeah. Um, Who's the second baseman that they have? I can't remember his name. Marcus Simeon is there. I mean, you have three guys that can hit 40 home runs. Won 68 games last year, though. Yeah, but so have all these other teams. That's, well, the White Sox were kind of 81. 81. They went 500 exact. So I don't know. Uh, I, I Again, like I think he wants to stay in a big market. So I think he understands the power. That's why I think he'll stay with the Yankees, and it's probably not for the best reasons. It's probably because he realizes it's the best way to yield like high endorsement money and leverage that. But like, yeah, that peripheral earning power is there versus yeah. somewhere else. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, again, it remains to be seen. But I know the Yankees going to throw. They're going to definitely throw the bag at him now because like they're desperate. Thirteen five hundred. Thirteen five hundred. Uh, I don't know about thirteen. Um, ten, three fifty. Hmm. Okay. What did Maybe. Soto get? Uh, it's a rough comp. It's not good, but well, and also Soto is like twenty two. That's so. what I mean. Like they've locked him up for a long period yeah. of time. Um, Soto got 440. Oh no, sorry, that's the deal he turned down. Yeah, he's 20, he's 23 years old. 
and he got 15 years, 440. Judge will probably get 10, 350 then. Is that what you said? Yeah, I said 10, 350. So that's 35. He got a little under 30. So I think I think 35 million makes up for like last year and all that arbitration shit. 10 years, 350. It takes him until he's 41 years old. They're going to have to eat the last few years anyway, but like it's cost of doing business at this point. Yeah. Nope, the, Jets, the Jets just traded for James Robinson, by the way. Hmm. Go Jets. Oh, my fantasy team a little trying bit. To, trying to do things. I respect the hustle that the Jets are putting in this year. Helps my fantasy team a little bit. Assholes? Let's do it. Oh, no. I forgot about assholes. I thought we were going to spend a little bit of time uh, talking horror films instead of just... Oh, oh. If I, the Yankees if horror... My, story well my asshole relates to that so if you want i can start uh i guess so well what, what, what no you know what go ahead what do you what did you want to talk about god what a horror movie what what horror lay it on us no i thought we were gonna do uh like a rundown of like you know horror movies what what you'd say are some of the scariest horror movies we're gonna give make some lists up here but it's kind of late and our listeners aren't really that deserving of that type of content, so... Yeah, you cheap fucks. You don't listen twice, you don't get this. This, I will, is, I'll, this I'll, is the I can premium name, edition, you want that shit. I can name some movies off of the top of my head. Um, So I would go with the old school Suspiria uh, from 1977. Uh, Dario Argento, it's an Italian uh, movie. It's really bloody. Um, really stylistic, colored... Um, the fucking score is awesome and it's super fucking unnerving. Um, isn't there a a reboot of that? There is. And I actually recommend that one as well because it's completely fucking different movie. Um, it's a, it's a reimagining of it, but it's very different and like doesn't really share the same components of the movie. It's a lot darker. It's it's very, yeah, it's weird. I've watched it. It's very weird. The original is very colorful. The original is very colorful, and this that one is very gray. Uh, but it's very cool. I like both of them. So you can watch them as a compare and contrast. Um, one of my favorite horror movies um, of all time is The Descent. Uh, that was a 2005 British horror movie. Mm. Um, it's about these uh, women who go cave diving, and let's just say they find something in the cave. It's fucking awesome. Yeah. It would be a disappointment if they didn't. <laughs> yeah, they just go cave diving, guys. And uh, that's right, cool. See you later. Great time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so those would be my like. If you're looking for like a like a scary fucking like kind of cool experience, uh, those two are are really good. You got a you got a third one? We'll just make a top threes real quick. Um, here. let me think. Looking through my my queue. And then, Tom, I want to hear your top three if you got them. Uh, I can give you some, yeah. Go ahead, Tom. Start start going with yours, and I'll come back in. So I'm trying to think of the third one. I think one that really has – here's one that's a recent one. The Lighthouse really fucking weirded me out. Love The Lighthouse. I don't know if that's a horror pick, movie. Actually. I don't know if that's a horror movie per se, but it's more like suspense. 
But that whole movie just was incredibly unnerving. Yeah. And I didn't know how to like put my finger on it per se, but it was just fucking strange. Mm-hmm. Um, and one that it's probably because I watched it as a kid and it scared me, but the original it miniseries scared the piss out of me when I was a little kid, a little scarier than you think for a made for TV movie. Right. <laughs> like that it was shit. literally like an ABC special and it was mm-hmm. like pretty, pretty frightening stuff. And that shit kept me up at night, man. Like it was, Oh, I have. Okay. It... Yeah. It, it, dude, Tim Curry though, Tim Curry made that fucking movie though. He's yeah. So fucking scary. I mean, it was, um, it freaked me a fuck out. One of my favorite movies is The House of the Devil. Uh, mm. Ty West movie. So if you know Ty West, he came out with X recently. Um, Gato, you, I think Gato, you liked his movie. I oh, know Jordan is always telling me about a movie that he did a couple years ago. House of the Devil. It takes, it's like, it's like a movie that takes place in the 80s. His mm-hmm. uh, babysitter um, is in need of money for an apartment. She's basically like house sitting. And uh, yeah, I don't want to give away too much, but a lot of weird shit goes on. It is fucking creepy. Watch the fucking trailer. If you're not in after the watching the trailer, then like, what's the name know, of it again? The House of the Devil. House of the Devil. Okay. Um, it's fucking awesome. My last scary movie that I liked the most was the 1959 film House on Haunted Hill. Ooh. There's a remake of it from like 1999 or 2000. That's not nearly as good. It's bad, but. I was a young kid when I saw this and like this was like one of the first movies that I saw that was like a jump scare movie and um, Vincent Price is in it. It's creepy and I loved it. I know these are kind of like out of the box movies, but I don't watch a ton of scary movies for this very fucking reason because they just weird me out and I live in an area that's not well lit. So and I have a vivid fucking imagination. So Tom turns off the light in the basement and runs up the stairs. I absolutely do that. <laughs> Huey, protect uh, me. I want to give. A, I'm actually. I'm actually going to give another one. Um, it's it's kind of a quasi horror movie. It's called You're Next. Mm-hmm. Uh, came out a few years ago. Joe Swanberg, I believe, was the uh, director. Basically, this family is um, all together for like a reunion and all of a sudden three mass people like there's like it's like a home invasion. But there's like some different weird kind of cool things that they do with it that make it very outside the box Uh, came out about 10 years ago. It's fucking awesome. So I recommend that as well. Did you all ever see Jacob's Ladder? Dude. Okay, so I was actually going to put this as like my uh, third third on my list and that was because that that movie just for whatever reason just really weirds me the fuck out oh yeah Yeah. dude that shit was fucking creepy it just yeah it just sends chills up your fucking spine for whatever fucking reason i don't even get it it's not an altogether scary movie in my opinion either i i mean you just feel for the character the whole time because he doesn't know what's going on and you kind of know what's going on but you like that it's that impending weird. doom is just yeah like you you know it's not going to end well for anybody. No, it's so bizarre. Ugh. Oh, I would should point out uh, my pick of the week from what two years ago, uh, two weeks ago, uh, Barbarian is going to be on HBO Max tomorrow. Nice. 
So sick. Yeah. And I mean, for me, uh, I like, I mean, John Carpenter's anything is pretty awesome. Love mm-hmm. John Carpenter. You can't you can't go wrong. He's so awesome. I, I I love classic like the thing. You know you can't go fucking. Dude, if you, if it's so that is the best horror movie of all time. It's so far. good. It's so good. Uh, if you like if you like uh, John Carpenter, I recommend you watch They Live. They Live. Uh, if you've never seen They Live, uh, definitely watch They Live. Um, he anything John Carpenter does, I'll watch. But I love John Carpenter in general because he just does not give a fuck. Yes, yeah. I mean, um, another one, I think this one is, I I kind of like, I don't know, it's it's some, most movies, like most horror movies don't really scare me that much. I think life is much scarier than <laughs> horror True. movies. True. Um, but, like, Evil Dead 2 is... It's the best. It's such a fucking classic, dude. It's so good. It's, it's fucking just... So... Uh, there's a debate, Gatto. I'm I'm interested to see. Stick. <laughs> I'm interested to hear your take on this, Gatto, because there are some people that insist that it's a remake, and there are some people insisting that it's actually just a sequel. And I'm not sure because, like, some people are arguing that, like, oh, he's his mind's been washed, and he's going back to the cabin because, like, for anybody who doesn't know, Evil Dead was a movie made by Sam Raimi, the famous director. He made it back in college and cost like $70,000. It's really cheaply done, but it's fucking awesome and scary. He then decided to make Evil Dead 2, in which the same character goes back to the same cabin and reads from the same book. And now it's not six, it's not the five people like it was in the original. It's just a couple in this one, uh, both played by Bruce Campbell, the legend Bruce Campbell. Um, some people argued that like it's actually a direct sequel and not a remake. I, I kind of like that. I I kind of like the idea of thinking of it as a sequel and thinking yeah. that once you've opened the Book of the Dead, there, yeah, like the, the like you basically have created hell for yourself, mm-hmm. and you are in hell, and so you repeat hell. Maybe not necessarily. It's like purgatory. It's like not yeah. in the same way, but like that's kind of been my interpretation of it. Like, why would you end up in such predictable circumstances again with no prior understanding of it. Did, but. did you watch uh, Ash vs. the Evil Dead, the show? It's really good. I watched a couple episodes. I, yeah, I love, yeah, like... Bruce Campbell's um, just so cool. Yeah, he's... Because <laughs> you know what it is? It's like, he, he knows he's on camera, but he acts like he isn't. Yeah, it's, it's very great. full. Well, that's the beauty of Evil Dead to Evil Dead 2, because I appreciate both of them, because Evil Dead is real grim and like, just like, God damn, this is fucking brutal. And then Evil Dead Two, it's like, oh, this is kind of funny. Like, you yeah. know, the chair, like the the fucking the 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 deer head on the wall starts laughing at him after the chair breaks. Like, you know, <laughs> you know, it's just, it's very goofy and weird, it's, it's but campy, it's like kind of fun. Yeah. Um, also, I don't know if you guys have ever seen Drag Me to Hell. It's a Sam Raimi movie as well. Very Evil Dead-ish and a lot of elements. Uh, Justin Long's in it. Basically, this girl works at a bank, and she denies uh, this uh, this woman um, an extension on her mortgage. I don't know what the proper term is. I don't want to say a slur. Um, put a hex on her. Yeah, I don't. I know the G. Like I know some people consider that to be a slur. The G. The you know what I'm talking about, Gatto. I do. You were, in, you were in Amsterdam for a while, so they refer to people as this. Oh no! I will fully use the word. It is gypsy that you're okay. referring to. So you'll you'll yeah. use it for and, me. And and it is it is 
often used in poor taste to talk about yes. like um a, a certain group of people that that migrate Eastern through, Europeans. Yes, Eastern Europeans that migrate. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Exactly. So yeah. yes, this this yeah. gypsy woman puts a puts a hex on her and it's ba- and then this woman dies. So now she's trying to end the curse, but it's basically like a demon is coming to drag her to hell. Yeah. And it's fucking awesome and has one of the like jaw most jaw-dropping endings I've ever seen. Yeah, so that shit was fucking I was scary. fucking blown away when that happened. So it's fucking awesome. So I recommend that as well. Yeah, when it's it's like when you can't escape the uh when you can't escape like the like your fate basically your de- like it's it's mm-hmm. already been decided like that is just horrifying in its own right you know and since we're coming close to the holidays if you guys ever seen the original black christmas that was actually that was another one that was nearly on my list because do you know how many movies and shows have taken from the idea of black christmas that was like the original slasher movie yeah like one yeah, of yeah. the originals it's, and it's like the og it's godfather of it horrifying it's like girls in sorority and this guy's calling them and just like being like super fucking it's like i think it's the origins of like the killers coming from the house type of what thing. was the what was yeah. the name of that one though um the the call the the caller is coming from inside the house what Scream? was the name of no uh, there's a movie with i um because there was like, a remake of it a couple of years ago yes um hold on the call's coming from inside the house while we're thinking of that the last one when a stranger calls that's what it is when Uh, a stranger calls yeah um yeah when a stranger calls 1979 yeah that was um that's a and that's like but it's weird though because that movie like that all happens in the first 10 minutes and and then it's like the killer is coming after her again and it's like it's a, it's such a start such a such a fever pitch, but then kind of just like goes away from it. But that's like when I worried like you know spoiler, but the movie's like fucking forty years old. So if you haven't seen it, fuck you. Um, Black Christmas. I remember watching it like as a like, way too young. Like my uncle and my aunt let me watch it, and like when they said like the calls coming from inside the house, I was like, oh shit. Like it was just such a like a holy shit. Like that can happen. And then I was like scared to have two lines in the house. <laughs> Like, like I'm a fucking horror movie. Like, I'm a big horror. I'm, a, I'm the opposite of you, Tom. Like, I'll watch any horror movie that comes. Well, out, so. a few other picks too. Um, The Birds, Alfred Hitchcock movie, of course, and Shaun of the Dead. How how are, how are we leaving Psycho off this list? Honestly, it is. Yeah, it is. It really does have a magnificent tension that you can't find in any other movie. Maybe The Shining has similar tension. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, I've only seen for as good as The Shining is, I've only or as good as Psycho is, I've probably only seen it like two or three times and it's it's such a movie that you need to start from the beginning. You can't like jump in. So anytime it's on TV, it's like I'm the movie's like 25 minutes in. I'm like, "All right, I'm not going to watch this and, then." And I and I get it why like it might not be on a top of a lot of people's lists because it's like it's it's probably overhyped a bit um but it just i think like it's cr- like for its time it was actually incredibly creative well it's also um provocative too because yes. um there was oh, a lot of provocative. 
there were there were a lot of people that were bothered by the movie because uh, Janet Lee was naked in it, but also Janet Lee was killed in like the first fifteen minutes of the movie, and she got like top billing in it, and people that like, was the brilliant she's dead. That was the brilliant part about it, though, was that like it, it subverts expectations. Kind of Scream borrowed from that too, obviously, because Drew Barrymore is in the beginning of that movie, and you're like. Drew Barrymore, she's the final girl, right? Like she's gonna survive this, and then final girl, yeah. literally within fucking twenty minutes, she's dead. Um, probably less than that. Uh, so it, it's it's a really cool subverting expectations thing that like you can't do it often because then otherwise it just becomes hokey. But like when you do it just like once in a while, but like you know you also have to be game for it and do it in the right way. But horror movies are implicitly about having the right taste of timing it's 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 all about knowing when right like because it's pure manipulation like everything about a horror movie is about manipulating your audience and and the experience they're having so yeah it, it you have to find a way to fuck with their heads in a way that is kind of out of the box because everyone's walking into the movie theater saying this is a slasher movie this is a horror movie like i know what's going to happen but yep. you really need to like the ones that do it really well are the ones that are able to not show you anything, but they're able to manipulate sound and like, like locations to like throw you off your game. So then it's almost like you're walking around and you, you, you can't see and you can't hear anything. You're just bumping into stuff, but the things you're bumping mm -hmm. into are ghosts or like serial killers. Well, I think mm -hmm. that's why like a lot of people like with the Blair Witch Project, a lot of people like, have a real hate for that movie and i'm not exactly sure why because they were able to like create the most scariest monsters in the world because it's what i was imagining in my head the entire time and they didn't show you shit like that scene i always go back because I, I was i saw that movie in theaters like what was it 1998 so i was probably like 10 my aunt took me to it because she was like she would always, <laughs> she would always let me watch movies that like, i should not have been watching hey you're young and impressionable let's go no see she because i wanted to, i wanted to see him and like my mom was like oh, i don't know like you're gonna so she nice. pulled fun aunt so she would be like yeah let's go let's go let's go watch it and i would be like and i remember that scene there's a scene in the movie where they wake up from sleeping and you hear they're like kind of like kids like laughing mm -hmm. and they're in horrifying the, and they're all, things and, to wake up to by the way you're in the middle of the woods. It's like pouring rain and like you hear like children laughing and then all of a sudden they start smacking on the tent and they just run. That scene literally like they probably played an audio track of children laughing and started banging on a tent and it was the scariest fucking thing ever because you're imagining something like insane in your head. That's the other thing is how immersive like the film can make you feel like you're part of you know that you're in there with them right like right. You, you you gotta you gotta feel like you're part of like you could be got at any point by whatever's lurking or coming after you what have you or haunted by you know you have to kind of have that feeling that that's going to happen to you if you're too far removed from from that level of action you're just never going to get that same relatable thing and then that movie flops right specifically Blair Witch it flops without that yeah 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 that's that's why I liked paranormal activity because there was like a building of it too and you know you don't see a whole lot of stuff until later on and the fact the way that they were able to use like you know it's it's night vision yes 
but it's also pointed out into a dark hallway and the room's already dark, but you, that's even darker and you don't know what's out there doing all these things. There's, there's something terrifyingly relatable to checking a security camera feed for something weird that happened. And then like the worst thing you would ever expect to see some paranormal shit like that. You know what I yeah. mean? Like that's a nightmare scenario. And that's why that works specifically in the first one part of partly in the second one but after that it was just beating a dead horse <laughs> yeah yeah and and i think too when we start talking about sequels and stuff like that it's more of a money grab at that point where what's, yeah what's what's your what what are your favorite sequels of horror movies alien 2 okay aliens yeah aliens. so where do you where do you aliens. land tom do you prefer the original or the sequel uh, when it comes to aliens, because there's a big conversation about like which one is better. I think because they're, they're very different. They're, I think if you want to, yeah. I mean, the first one is like a suspense horror, like space horror. Slow burn. The second one is action movie. Yeah, it's fucking James Cameron, just like full guns head. Yeah, <laughs> let's blow shit up in space. I think yeah. it just depends on what you want from that experience, though. Do you want to be scared or? Do you want to see an action movie? Um, I think I think Ridley Scott is just the best. The first one, my mom told me the story. Um, the first time that she saw it, I think that um, my brother had just been born. And every time there was a jump scare in the movie, my mom jumped and my brother would cry upstairs. <laughs> <laughs> and... I mean, even the first time I saw it, I was like, I really don't know what to expect. You know, yeah. you don't see the alien for so long in the movie. So long. And then when that guy, again, another movie. Again, if you haven't seen this movie yet, this is your fucking fault. Yeah. Stop being poor. But when the guy's <laughs> in the vent with the flamethrower and he turns around, and he sees it. That's Tom Holy fucking scary. Shit. Yeah. That's Tom Scarrett right there. And what's great about that movie is that Ridley Scott is such a fucking psycho. Like that part when the alien creeps through his chest, <laughs> they, the other actors had no clue that was going to happen. Yeah, dude. So their, their reactions are actually genuine because they they like, what the fuck? Like, yeah, I love Aliens, though. It's it's so fucking great. It's such a fun time. Bill Paxton's awesome. R.I.P. I don't know, man. I don't know, man. What's <laughs> the game over, man? Fucking I don't know, man. Um, two other movies on my side, Moon, with um, I don't think I've ever seen that one actually. It's it's more of like a suspense film, but it's got some really interesting moments in it. Um, and then a second one is a movie. It's a British film called The Awakening with Rebecca Hall in it. Oh, I love Rebecca Hall. I don't know why, but when I watched this movie, I was like fucking floored the whole time. Yeah. And that came out in 2011. I probably saw it like sitting in my basement, watching it late at night, and I was like, "Holy shit, this movie's scary." Um, another. I'm actually since since we mentioned um, Bill Paxton, there was a movie in 1987 that came out called Near Dark, where he, they play a bunch of vampires, and Bill Paxton's a vampire, uh, directed by Catherine Bigelow, believe it or not. Really? Uh, yeah, it's fucking awesome. Like vampire cowboys, pretty much. It's really fucking <laughs> interesting. <laughs> that yeah. makes me think of actually one of my favorite films, uh, Dust Till Dawn. <laughs> oh God, fucking Robert Rodriguez! Come on, it's so great. 
just for just the sheer campy. I don't even consider that a horror movie. No, it's very campy. Yeah, it's just a campy action film with supernatural creatures. It's it's so campy and out there, but like it's just fucking. Did did you guys see the hatchet job of a series they tried to make out of that? I I saw the first part of the first episode and I was like, no. Oh god! I yeah, I watched I watched a little further than you, and I was so mad that they did what they did. God, where does ruining something? Where does Scream land on this list for you all? It's a a classic. It's so Scream was so smart to me because Wes Craven saw the generic bullshit that was kind of coming out and was like, I'm gonna play on those tropes while still delivering a movie that's kind of like it's campy, but it has its moments. Because like I saw the new one and I was like. It's, Not the same. It's like, okay, it's getting a little long in the tooth here, but it had some like refreshing stuff to it. But what I really love though is that like he really like they they continue to keep finding new ways to kind of like subvert the genre and kind of make fun of what's kind of hip at the moment. Um, but I like I'm like, this new one's kind of campy. And then I went back and I'm like, oh, the original's kind of campy too. So I'm like, it actually kind of remains pretty consistent in that regard. But uh no, it's a, it's classic. It's it's so good. I think the whole franchise holds up just for being being able to maintain that same quality throughout. Like like you point out, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's it's a, it's technically brilliant in that sense too. I love yeah. who done. I love who done it. It's like I'm always a fan. So my my pick of the week is going to be a horror movie, kind of, and it's a who done it, which are like one of my favorite types. So it's like you know who's the killer type. What's your most overrated horror movie? The Exorcist. The Exorcist. Hmm. I don't find it to be that frightening. And like, I, I, I get where it lies in the pantheon. And I'm not saying that it's not a good movie. It's a great movie. But like, I think people put a little too much on it that it just gets to be kind of like, all right, I get it. And I would say Friday the 13th is not good. The original. The original, not good. Yeah, the um, I kind of feel like uh, the Omen. Despite like little kids are always creepy to me, like when they're evil like that. <laughs> um, evil little fucking kids. Evil little fucking kids. Yeah, like I, I, I still don't find I find the Omen to be more campy than creepy, which a lot of people will tell me I'm out of my mind, but maybe I just wasn't scared by it it's all for you damien it's all for you (laughs) like it just didn't hold up for me i was like i would backhand this kid off a a banister or something and i just realized weirdly enough both of my (laughs) my pick of the week and my asshole are all related to horror movies oh how you like them apples it's the season it's a little halloween extravaganza for you i would say (sighs) hmm this is tough actually because i think Bad movies, I just kind of disregard and never think about ever again. The Hills Have Eyes never did it for me. The original or the remake? The remake. The the original, ha- like it's brutal, man. It's fucking. It's just like, oh, I don't like torture porn. I don't like it. Yeah, that's the. I don't know. That... Your search history would say different, but <laughs> <laughs> who told you to look at my fucking secret laptop, Gatto? Um, 
Well, no, you shouldn't I... name your secret laptop secret laptop. That's your first mistake. <laughs> secret laptop like, oh, colon don't look. Gato, when you get a label Gato, when you, don't open Gato, this. when you get a label maker, you label shit, okay? Like it's not my fault. <laughs> um yeah, I don't I don't like those brutal fucking movies. Like I can't watch Cannibal Hall. Like costs. gratuitous. Yeah. yeah, or I, you know, even Hostel Two is rough. After I don't, I don't, oh, I don't like Hostel yeah, either. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't like it no. either. I don't. Number one, Eli Roth fucking sucks. I uh, don't like him. Cabin Fever didn't. No, no, thank you. Not interested. I, like I do like the body horror of Cabin Fever, but I didn't actually. I was like, if eh. you want to watch a good body horror movie, watch Cronenberg. Watch a Cronenberg movie. Watch The Fly. Watch you know. Oh yeah, you know, Fly. Yeah, with Jeff Ooh. Goldblum. Let me let me just like regurgitate on this delicious meal first. Dude, Cronen- be afraid. Cronenberg- be very afraid. <laughs> if you want to watch good like like kind of gross movies, watch Videodrome. Watch uh, Scanners. Watch uh, Crimes of the Future that just came out. It's all Cronenberg. And then there's um, cra- you ever seen Crash? The people who get like sexually attracted, aroused by car crashes. Like, if you want to watch like crazy, that's a thing. I guess so. Um, history of violence. Um, yeah, awesome. Fucking Clockwork movie. Orange is a oh, excessively God, gratuitous, like highly gratuitous movie. I enjoy a Clockwork Orange to an extent, but that first that ugh, that rape scene violence the doesn't. It's just it's it's just it's too, yeah none of that it, it's too too much but i get that that's kind of the point it's trying to lie on the topic of like crime and like how we handle it so i understand the purpose of it but it's fucking it's pretty gratuitous do you have so. it's like we had that conversation about the Dahmer. you know the, it's the, gratuitous the Dahmer. yeah like, yeah do, do we really need to like live through it all when we get that we then get again, what you're trying to do but then again, I'm an Argento fan. I recommend Suspiria, which is extremely violent, but it's so like it's not, it's not like realistic it's, looking. That's the thing, you know that that that's it's almost an like unrealistic art. form yeah. of violence. I think it's that's like, that's how like Evil Dead is able to get away with it. Yes, and Evil absolutely. Dead Two is able to get away with it because it's mixing comedy with like gratuitous violence so it kind of pulls you away from it a yeah. little bit where it's like hey this is this is for entertainment purposes don't read too much into this yeah. it's actually how doom gets away with it a lot too if you've played the game doom before doom. because a yeah. lot of people have blamed doom for like violence in the media but if you've played doom <laughs> it's actually kind of like jokey and they make things look so like bombastic that it can't be real yeah versus like a fucking modern warfare or a call of duty game which is like frame for frame like real life yeah yeah i i i I hate that era of horror when like it was hostile and it's like how can we like slashing fucking like achilles and the saw like the saw series where the guy falls into the syringe not not a fuck I'm not. I don't like Saw movies. Like I just never, like the the original. Like that ending was like, all right, it was, that was excessively cool. creative. Like, yes. yeah, I like that. But then I like I watched part of the second one, and I'm like, I'm not interested in this at all. So yeah, the cat was out of the bag, and you knew you knew the rules of that world. That's the thing with horror movies; they're very world building. So mm-hmm. you you get like some rules, and once once you gave that that 
that ending, that rule about that about Saw, I was like, you can't you can't do this again. Everyone's gonna think it's the body in the corner, you know? What yeah. are you gonna do? What are you gonna do now? Good luck. But I will like, say I will say, Q, I was looking in the Rotten Tomatoes top hundred and fifty or two hundred horror movies. Yeah. Exorcist is one twenty sixth, so you might be onto something there. I'm surprised like, I'm surprised I figured it'd be higher. Um are you talking about all time movies or or horror movies? Horror movies. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought it'd be higher, honestly. Um, yeah, I mean, one twenty sixth out of two hundred is lower yeah, than I thought. I'm, it would be. I'm usually I thought consensus was that people love that movie. I don't care for it. It's it just I, it did, I find the Conjuring to be scarier than The Exorcist. Conjuring I was agree, fucking I twisted, dude. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I'm I but like Gato, I'm gonna go back to yours. The thing is the best horror movie. Yeah, of man. All time. It's the best. It it's, like it's got a lot of good going on there. You you get the physical uh, effects that they do, which are so impressive. And the like Kurt Russell is fucking awesome, leading man, and like the concept of being stuck in mm. like a snowy fucking prison. Yep. It's there's just a lot of tension that's right there. Like you can't, you can't avoid that. You know, it's it's when the dogs heavy, it's heavy on you. Have when you, the dogs got, morph, that's oh it. yeah, no, that was a bit, I would have been out. Um, do you guys ever see They Live? It's another Carpenter movie. Carpenter movie. So it's Roddy Piper, um, mm-hmm. fucking former WWF star, and Keith David. So basically he's a drifter and he's looking for work and they find sunglasses and you find out that there are aliens that have taken over, um, taken over the world. And if you put these glasses on, you can see like, so he'll look at ads like a billboard and it says like consume or it's basically an allegory for capitalism. And like, you know, I think actually there's like hints of like anti-Semitism stuff in there. So it's, it's, it has like, some good political messages in it. Uh, but basically it's like him fighting against the aliens at that point. And it's, it's fucking sick. It really is nice. There's a scene in which him and Keith David fist fight. It's probably about eight minutes long. And it's like just them fighting for like eight minutes straight. And it's fucking incredible. <laughs> it really is. Oh man. I'm actually curious how long that fist fight is. Cause it feels like it goes on forever. Yeah. Another movie that does it for me, and Six and I and I brought this on the up up the other day as like an unconventional one, was the movie Compliance, and I don't know why because I don't think a lot of people would ever consider it a horror movie, but it just does something to me that I don't really understand. Like it really just feels like true real life horror, mm-hmm. like it could actually happen like today somewhere. And like we would hear about it on the news, and like that's just horrifying to me. There's a I, m- I mentioned in this in the group chat. There's a movie called Coherence that came out in 2013. It's more sci-fi. It's not really a horror movie. Um, eight friends are at a dinner party where the comet is passing through, and then all of a sudden they're seeing themselves from other dimensions um, outside, and they start using like tools to like identify where they're from like numbers or like colored objects and they realize that they start mixing so they keep leaving and coming back but they're not going back to the place that they were oh 
So there's that was actually, just not a Rick and Morty episode. Yet. It's very <laughs> yeah, it's, it, dude. It's very like like we know we had the orange like we had the orange item, and he's like, no, we've had red the entire time. You realize that person's not in the right dimension. So that's crazy. Their and crazy. ending is very fucking cool. So what's the name of this movie? Coherence. Coherence. Yeah, you will out, feel very incoherent while watching. It's that. very jarring because there's like a lot like that just goes on. Like people, like there's one where everyone's like fist fighting each other and like at each other's throats, and then the other one they're just having wine and you know, like it's like it's because oh, yeah. things are things are not exactly the same. Though her boy, the main character's boyfriend is kind of rude in one, and then he's like really loving in, in the other. So you realize, well, like, multiverse, yeah, it's very, like, it's very, very cool. And it was one of those movies that didn't get a lot of attention, but like, I will watch it periodically because it's it's so fucking good. And it's not like it's not a standard horror movie, so it's not there's no jump scares or anything like that. It's just like fucks with your brain, it fucks with your head. Interesting. I've seen that movie before. Um, I haven't watched it, but I've seen the like the 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 option to view it on one streaming platform or another. Yeah, I think it's available for free on most places because it was a, it was an independent movie. It was not like a big. Um, yeah, it's on it's on Prime, it's on Peacock and Tubi. So, Tubi's gotcha. Free. So, yeah, I recommend it to anybody to watch that. It's really good. Nice. Assholes. Yeah. Assholes. I'll keep it in the same vein of horror movies. Um, I never thought I would put Danny Danny McBride on this list. Damn, Feel sad. Son. Yeah. Um, I don't know if he, David Gordon Green and uh, Danny McBride, they uh, have been engineering the new Halloween trilogy. Halloween is one of my favorites. Uh, John Carpenter, obviously. This fucking Halloween Ends movie was a real piece of shit. And I understand that when you're like 12 movies deep into a franchise, you have to kind of take some swings. I was really hoping that they weren't going to do that in the last fucking movie. And uh, to give people an idea without spoiling anything, Michael Myers is in this movie for God of what, 15 minutes? Uh, yeah, I mean, screen time you know, total intermittently weave through the story. Right. He's not um, the main crux of the story. He's weirdly a focus, but he has he has nothing to do with the story till like the last ten minutes, fifteen yeah, minutes. The, the last ten minutes were great, and that's kind of what I wanted. And but what I found out though, and the reason I'm going to call them assholes here is because during COVID, the production got delayed. The original idea was supposed to be all in one night for all three movies. Supposed to be two movies, and then they decided to make three. The second one was completely useless. So it could have just been two movies and they rewrote the script and they fucked it up. And honestly, like if anybody's ever seen the 2018 one, I feel like that one could have stood on its own. They didn't need to make another one. It like it ended perfectly, ended exactly how I wanted it to end. And it would have been a perfect ending to the to the series. But obviously money being what it is, um, they not only decided to make another movie, but then they decided to turn it into a trilogy. So just absolute dog shit. Don't second guess yourself. Always stick with your original gut. So sorry to do it, Danny. I love Eastbound and Down, though. It's a disappointing ending for uh, a movie franchise that it has four like, years. Yeah. <laughs> but to be fair, though, I mean, 
the only good ones are the original. The H2O one was fine, and then the 2018 one. Every other one is like questionable. So, not yeah, really for sure. <laughs> I mean, we need to be real careful with sequels and horror movies because, as Gatto was saying, like once the cat's out of the bag, like it's too predictable, and I mean, the stories get weak. And they- John Carpenter didn't want to do a sequel. He was like, "I don't want to do a sequel." He's like, "I think it stands good on its own." They offered him a lot of money, and he's like, "All right." But I'll write it, but I'm not going to direct this piece of shit. He said he wrote it in like <laughs> he said he got really drunk drinking Budweiser, and then he wrote it in like like two days. And John like, Carpenter yeah, is the goddamn he's man. He's so fucking cool. What a man. boss. <laughs> they, they they keep talking to him now. Or like, do you want to work? He's like, you know what I want to do? I want to go home, drink beer, and play Xbox. That's what I want to do. Hell and yeah! And I'm cool. like, he's so fucking cool, man. I love John. <laughs> he wants to do um he wants to do a movie based on uh, an Xbox series. I can't remember the name of the 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 game, but he wants Bioshock. No, if it's Bioshock, that shit would be awesome. That's. Um, I, I thought I had heard something about them making a Bioshock movie. That's why it might be Bioshock. Um, but I remember he mentioned it. Um, uh, you guys can, if one of you want to go, I can. I can come back to this. Is it? Wait, no. Unless you're gonna have to edit this. Dead space. Dead space. Thank you. That shit is fucking nuts, dude. Yeah. I would like to see that, honestly. Yeah, and we could also get into a whole ass genre of horror video games that is in fucking sane. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I I searched John Carpenter video game movie and Escape from L.A. came up. <laughs> <laughs> not what? not a good not a good movie, but I like <laughs> I like his reaction to it because like there's a video of him, someone going like I love Escape from New York, but like. What was Escape for Away? He's like, fuck you. <laughs> Dude, he's so fucking cool. I love him, man. John Carpenter also says he's hooked on Fallout 76. He might be the only fucking person left playing that game. <laughs> oh, I know some people. <laughs> but I Fallout love it, 76. He's like, you know, he's like, you know what I love about the new Halloween movies? He goes, every time a new Halloween movie come out, I put my hand out like this. And they put a check in there. And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> he's just so blatantly like, I don't like. They were trying to talk to him about A24 movies and elevated horror. And like, like you know, it's elevated horror. It's like talking about trauma and all. And he's like, I don't even know what you're talking about, man. <laughs> <He's> like, <laughs> I appreciate that, though. He's so fucking good, man. Um, I'll go next. My asshole of the week. I don't know if you guys were able to pick up on this, but Tampa Bay lost against the um, Carolina Panthers this week, and they lost pretty bad. Um, mm. Twenty-one to three, I believe, was the score. Mike Evans had a um, a deep pass that was thrown by Brady, and he just dropped it and missed it completely. Mike Evans and Tom Brady are not my asshole of the week. My asshole of the week are, in fact, the referees that chased Mike Evans down to get his autograph at the end of the game. And it was documented on video. Yeah, that happened. So, yeah, so he's walking through the tunnel at the end of the game. And these two refs are running right behind like, Mike, Mike, Mike. And like, hey, sign this for me. And it's just he's like trying to fill it out and walk at the same time. And I'm just like, 
I know that the NFL refs are not full-time referees, but you also need to have a little bit of self-awareness to know that anything that you do is going to end up in the fucking media. And one can make the argument that there is an opportunity for a ref to be manipulated if a player says like, hey, man, I gave you a fucking autograph, you piece of shit. Like, yep. give me that call. Yeah. And I just saw that and I was like, the NFL has no fucking idea what it's doing. Like they, they just have this big machine that runs all the time, just prints money for them. The refs can make all these shit calls. Let's not even get started in the false start call in the Cleveland Browns game that in fact did not happen for Cleveland. And probably is going to be the reason why they missed the playoffs. Um, Why is, why is Obama on with Eli Manning and Peyton Manning right now on the Monday night football thing? Probably uh, the election is in two weeks. Days, yeah, Jesus. days. I'm counting it. Days. Telling you that you have not voted hard enough. They, you know that the man absolutely don't. right. You have, you know, the Mannings don't vote Democrat, right? No. Like, come on, <laughs> there's no, no chance. But they're <laughs> nice guys. Uh-uh. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, uh, yeah. Keep it short and sweet. The NFL refs that asked Mike Evans for an autograph after a game. Fuck you. You're my assholes of the week. Wow. Um, yeah, that's that's a pretty bad one. <laughs> um, my assholes of the week are states. <laughs> All of them. States. Well, most of the time, yes. But this time, six particular states. Um, Arkansas, Missouri, Nebraska, Iowa, Kansas, South Carolina. Nowhere I'd like to live. Um... You guys want to gander why those six? I bet you know. I bet you're sure. You, you, you should know or do know. Why don't you tell the audience? All right. I think I'll, I'll just I'll just let them know then. Um, right before the weekend hit, this uh, the the new student loan forgiveness website that had gone up got temporarily blocked uh, by the U.S. eight court uh, eight. Uh, circuit court of appeals um basically these states filed lawsuits on behalf of state-based loan companies that manage some of the federal loans i'm saying themselves saying that it would hurt these loan companies now why they're my assholes is not necessarily because of the fact that they did this. I feel like obviously these are Republican states. They're going to do this. They're, they're not fans of this. The thing that annoys me is that they're doing it for the loan companies themselves. Why the fuck aren't the loan companies doing it themselves? That's the thing that bothers yeah, me. Yeah, that's it. pretty stupid. So there's a good chance this is just going to impede things for the moment but um they're still telling um applicants to continue to apply and i encourage you to do so if you still have student loans that you need to pay back um but it's just very disconcerting the level of interest a state would have in making money on this like vulturous fucking endeavor when they know that Education has 
gone the way of like crippling a lot of people economically in this country for a long time. <laughs> and so we've, we've talked about that. And it's just, it just seems like you're, you're especially the, the thing that also makes them a bit of an asshole is that like the elections, like right around the corner, you might've wanted to just wait like two weeks. They don't care. Cause that state, like they, they're not going to feel it. No, but you know, Maybe uh, in certain districts, but like, will will it outweigh? Will that outweigh the voters you'll get voting for you versus the voters that are going to show up against you? That's my thing. I think the Republican Party forgets that when they do have this stuff, they actually mobilize more people to vote against them than vote for them. The people that were going to vote for them were going to vote for them regardless. Yeah, it's just why they'll just so find ways to throw out those ballots of people that they don't like. And that's why next week we'll have some new assholes. <laughs> Big ones, too. Because that's coming. Big be ones. sure, be sure, next week, or two weeks from now, we will be hearing wind of people tampering with ballots and trying to get them thrown out the I, door. I was, listening, stories. I was listening to Fever Dreams, and they were talking, like, he scours, like, Will, uh, Will Summer scours, like, the Gateway Pundit and all that. And there's like these like 10 ways to stop, you know, election fraud. And it's like basically like one of them said, like putting like a tracking device on the truck that's like bringing the ballots. That's not illegal. And then the other one was like pretty much camping out and like making like demanding to be in the room. And like it's going to be a nightmare. That's already being done in Arizona. Yeah. Oh, Arizona is like the hotbed. But like this. this the funny thing is that. Like there is such. There's so much already in place for these reasons that, like, they pretend like they're, like, thinking up new shit. Like, there's always people watching both sides of the ballot. You have to understand, it's just hoping (sighs) to find something that's even, like, that's not mysterious but looks mysterious. The smoking gun. So that they can file a lawsuit and try and throw out black and brown districts' votes. and Injunction, yeah. Yeah. Vote injunctions. Mm -hmm. It's gonna be fun, guys. Yeah, very cool, very legal, very legal. Uh, so we'll just go round robin again. Uh, pick. Um, so there's a movie that came out uh, this, this I think this year called Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. It is a um, yeah. No, it's it's a it's basically the the it's like annoying Gen Zers um, are together during a storm. They play a game called Bodies, 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 which you basically it's like pretty much like um the mafia game where it's like mm-hmm. one person picks a killer card and the rest. And then all of a sudden people start getting killed. Mm-hmm. So trying to figure it's, it's a very much a whodunit, like trying to figure out who did it. It was really fucking funny. It's not scary. It's more like, you know, it's more kind of a horror comedy, if you will. Um, but it was really interesting and I thought it had a, a kind of a cool ending. So uh, definitely recommend that. I like Lee pace. I liked him in Halt and catch fire. Yeah, and Pete Davidson's in it. He's pretty funny in it. Um, so don't recommend it to Kanye West. Oh, boy. <laughs> I bet he's just got this streaming on the bathroom television. <laughs> Every time he sees uh, he's that, not so fucking funny. that Taco Bell. <laughs> he doesn't make me laugh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my pick of the week is a Netflix movie, and it's actually being released in limited theaters. Um on the 28th it's the remake of all quiet on the western front 
the book by Eric Maria Remark um, about the First World War and a, um, a squad of German soldiers and how they lived. Some of them lived, some of them didn't, but their experiences. Um, Edward Berger is the director. He is notable because he was involved in the miniseries The Terror, or I guess it's a TV show, um, based off of the book about a, a ship that gets stranded in the Arctic in the 1840s, which was fucking fantastic. But Eric Berger is the director. It's it's all in German, but if you yeah. watch the trailer, it looks really intense. It looks really well done. I'm looking forward to taking a look at it. Um, all quiet on the Western Front. Very Sick. cool. Um, while consuming media, um, I'm going to go a little different route, but it's still content video. Um, so Masterclass, I won't say like the app Masterclass is like actually my pick at all. It's um that they have a new course on there or or a new lesson. Um it's John Douglas and he is like the FBI profiler that they've made like all of your favorite series off of. So Criminal Minds is loosely based on him and his work. Um more more specifically they they make the note of it um Mindhunter is based off of him. Love mm-hmm. um, I love psychology and kind of understanding why us crazy humans do what we do. And um, this just seems like it's right up my alley because I just I'm always fascinated by that type of like um, abnormal psychology and stuff. And he's going to dig into understanding it and predicting it and the insights of that. Um, I'm I'm. I'm not sure how how much in depth, but I have watched a few other masterclass courses that have been pretty decent. So I expect this one to be pretty enjoyable. So that's my pick. Yeah, they've kind of gone out of the box with some of their um, with some of the people that they talk with. They they've spoken with Lewis Hamilton, who's a Formula One driver. He's got an entire masterclass on like mindset and winning mm-hmm. mentality. And you'd think it'd be like, oh, this is how like economics work, but it's actually like a bunch of really cool and interesting conversations that they talk with people about. Yeah, I mean, like these, like I love the concept of the app. I think it just falls short because there's not that much con- uh, content, and they kind of overpriced themselves um, for the content. But like, you know, they do actually have like I listened to it was a it was a crime negotiator um, a, a negotiator. A hostage, hostage negotiator, Chris Voss, and he made some really like interesting, introspective points that, like, you know, you can you can take it as just a different understanding of something that you never thought of, like just like your daily interactions with people, like you know, there's there's things, there's dynamics, there's ways you don't understand communication that like he brought to light kind of in that short series, you know? Um, Yeah. And there's other things like uh, from cooking to music to creative writing that, you know, you're, you're talking to, you're listening to Stephen King for a couple hours, talk about how he gets in his mindset for writing. Like that's good stuff. You know, I mean, you know what he used to use to get into the right mindset for writing cocaine. Funny, we have that cheese. 
He's <laughs> the the that movie. Um, what was that movie with Emilio Estevez that he did? Um, with the uh, cars that come to life and start. Oh, Maximum Overdrive. Overdrive. Maximum Overdrive. He said that he doesn't. He doesn't even remember filming that movie because like he was so high on cocaine. Um, the movie, the movie Dreamcatcher. He wrote it. Uh, that that book he wrote when he was after he got hit by the car. That really bad accident that he had. Mm-hmm. He wrote that on painkillers, and he's like, "It's such a piece of shit." <laughs> and then they made that movie, which was even worse. Um, yeah, Amazing. he's awesome. Though. I love Stephen King. Masterclass pick of the week. Masterclass, yeah, Masterclass uh, is cool. They, uh, I think they have a Scorsese one too, right? Mm-hmm. They do. I mean, I, I didn't even go into yeah. The they have they the one thing they really do is they go out and they get top names to yeah. talk about things and for sure yeah like john legends on here um i don't know why george bush is on here that's kind of funny um but you got the duffer brothers the duffer brothers are on here that's a cool fool, one fool me once shame on shame on fool. can't get fooled again <laughs> yeah his is on uh public speaking yikes <laughs> <laughs> No, I'm kidding. I don't know. Let me look at what this is. Oh, authentic leadership. <laughs> Brought to you by Halliburton. <laughs> oh, that's funny. That that actually gave me a good fucking laugh. I, I thought it was on like Bill Clinton's on here for inclusive leadership. I thought so... it was on killing um, you know, Middle Eastern people. Uh that that would be the follow up one. Yeah. This is how we this is how we said that they had WMDs, but they didn't. Ha, got them. Texas. <laughs> I mean, got them. There's lots of people. He's got there. Texas, baby. Anyhow. All right, gang. Well, that does it for us. Our Halloween edition of the Second Ooh, House Podcast. Spooky. Um, I am here to drop breaking news on you all. Ooh. Matt Ryan has been benched. Ha! <laughs> For Bench. Sam Ellinger. Texas Why? Legend. I have no idea. Texas so legend. that just happened. But if you liked what you heard here on this episode of the Second Mouth Podcast, do us a favor and give us a five-star review on your favorite streaming platform. Also, give us a follow. Shame your friends into listening. Um, we have a um, financial shaming section of our, of our website. Give us their names so we can financially shame them. Um, also, if you want to be a participant in the show, do us a favor and DM us on all of the major social media platforms, specifically Instagram and Twitter, and tell us what you want to want us to talk about. Um, we do this show once a week, and we'd love to hear from you all and uh, bring up your topics. Also, let us know who your assholes and your picks of the week are. But other than that, have a great weekend, everybody. And happy Halloween. Bye. Save me some candy. Ooh, we didn't talk about go-to candies. We've covered candy before, though. In the past. Oh, yeah, we have. Yeah. Okay, let's get me a rhythm. Follow me. Then he says, and I'm not kidding you, he goes, now clap. Please clap. Just clap for that, you stupid bastard.
Jokes, Mr. Jokey. Joke maker. Ha! <laughs> suck it, Jack Sparrow. <laughs>